Welcome to the 202nd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on October 24th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the guy who's back from a covert mission overseas, Carlos Rodella. Wait, I was overseas? I don't remember that. Was I not supposed to say that out loud? No. Was that redacted? That's redacted, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Complete denial. Plausible <laughs> denial. Yeah, I was uh, at a non-disclosed location. and uh, <laughs> doing, doing nothing. Doing nothing there, and I had a lot of, you know, weird life events while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Are you protecting democracy overseas, Carlos? Yes. <laughs> protecting democracy wherever you go. Wherever I go and every every place I'm on the internet, I try to do that. And also um, bring optimism and and uh, fun and comedy. Hey, uh, I'm back. Uh, thanks to Corey for uh, taking over. And I listened to the show and it was really good. And he kept the seat warm. So I'm back into the seat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still warm, so can't that's let good. that seat get cold, yo. No, it was warm the whole time. Where were you, Carlos? You were gone. What happened? You're back now. I mean, I'm sure you, the listeners want to know if you're okay. How you doing? Everything all right? You got all your fingers and toes still? Yeah, I had a big uh, life change. Uh, actually, parted ways with the game developer that I was working with, and that's a story for another day. But what I am doing is I kind of took a little bit of a break for me, which is like one week. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and I'm like immediately like I need to do something again, and um, I'm I'm still figuring out what I'm doing next. But the big thing that I'm doing is I'm really doubling down on content and producing videos for my channel, which is shameless plug in the beginning of the show, YouTube.com/slash a lot of things. Uh, please go there. We're going to be doing weekly content, but I bring it up not only because that's what I've been doing, um, just in the same room, but also planning and creating a lot of content. But I've also been uh, not just talking about games on these videos. I'm talking about movies and music and shows. So I heard your guys' podcast, and you talked about a lot of shows and movies, actually. Um, and so that was really cool because you mentioned some stuff. And I know that you and I both are really interested in, in this show called Love It, or not show, movie called Love and Monsters. Yeah, absolutely. I actually just watched it last night. It's one of those movies that was supposed to come to a theater but because of coronavirus they were releasing it direct to home home download so i think it was like 20 bucks or something like that and i i know that like at first it's like ah 20 bucks but like you know when we would go out to a movie theater like me my wife and my son i mean it was like dude it was like 12 bucks a person for the ticket and then like you know if we had dinner before that or something and then of course you can't watch a movie without getting like a you know popcorn and that's like 75 dollars and the candy and stuff <laughs> so like expensive honestly, popcorn hold on it is dude and it's not even good popcorn my popcorn that i make is way better than that so like by the time that you got done with like oh let's just go see a movie i mean you're in the hole so much so i kind of don't feel like um with that perspective 20 bucks is that much for a movie like we're actually coming out ahead if we were going to go see a movie anyway, right? Yeah, so anyway, yeah, yeah. That aside, it's, it's just for download. I think it just came for download like this week or last week. Uh, we watched it. Carlos, I know you watched it. Just a quick side note. Um, we don't have to get into it too much here because it's kind of spoilery. But 
my wife and I had a really long discussion about that movie this morning. And a lot of the stuff that she brought up was from a woman's perspective, which I think is really valuable. I'm not going to try to recap it here, but I think that I'm going to try to capture some of that. Uh, we're going to try to recreate some of that chat. And uh, I will bring that to the show. Maybe Carlos can splice it in or something. We'll see how that goes. Maybe this episode, maybe next episode. But I think our listeners would really appreciate having a woman's perspective because I think there's a lot of really valuable lessons in that movie. But mm. that's just a, a, a potential thing coming Maybe now, maybe later, maybe soon, but I'll get that up some point. But for now, Carlos, let's uh, let's talk about Love and Monsters. You want to recap it for the audience? Yeah, a little bit. I don't want to go too far into it. And, and I like the fact that um, the only reason I knew about it was I think my PlayStation 4 was just like I went to the new movie section. And like you said, a lot of movies nowadays, uh, because of the virus, they're just being you know digitally put out there, which I think is great. Um, I'm looking at you, Tenant. Fucking <laughs> only in the theaters. Get out of here. Get uh, out of here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just saw it and the, it, visually it was arresting, just like the pictures of it. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, I think this is something that I might really dig. And it kind of has a feeling of an indie film. Uh, I don't know what the production company was. I, I did do the homework or research like we don't do on the show. We don't do that here. Yeah. So I don't know who the fuck made it. But <laughs> it felt like just from the trailer, like this might be kind of an indie film. They're using some CG, but they're using some practical effects. And it just looked really cool. And so, yeah, I just kind of took a chance on it because I saw it on my PS4. And essentially it is about a post-apocalyptic movie where there's um, people that live underground because, of course, humans fucked up everything. Uh, but they didn't really fuck it up on purpose. There was some meteors or meteor uh, coming to Earth, and they decided to shoot it. But then when they shot it, it released all these weird, was it bacteria or something? Chemicals, um, bac- whatever, it doesn't matter. Some, MacGuffin is some what it was. bad stuff. And then it decided to change all of the animals and insects into huge monsters, essentially. Or just like really, really big animals. And obviously, like, that fucked up the whole planet. So people went to live underground. And so you follow the story about this guy who is underground and really kind of nervous and scared all the time and doesn't want to really go outside. But he decides to take a trek across this crazy world to go find this girl that he likes. And that's all I want to say about it, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. I won't talk too much about it either. Um, but I really liked I mean, I take it you liked it, right? I loved it. I like it's one of those movies where you go like, wait, do I like this? Wait, do I love this? <laughs> and at the yeah. end, I said, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I liked it last night a lot. Um, but I thought about it and thought about it, talked about it with my wife this morning. Um, and I, I think I kind of love it now for maybe reasons that are not immediately obvious. Um, it is a great apocalyptic movie, post-apocalyptic. And I like it, I mean, on the surface because it's really bright and colorful and green. It kind of shows like a reclaimed earth. And the other thing I really liked is like there's a really strong uh, positive vibe in this movie. Like a lot of post-apoc movies tend to be like, you know, everybody's killing everybody. You can't trust anybody. Everybody's fighting for the last can of beans and you get yep. backstabbed. You know, eating it's a squirrels. grim. Uh, what? Why'd you you know, they're eating squirrels, you know. Yeah, they are eating squirrels. Yeah. You know, it's just really grim. But this is a movie where there was like like people were getting along, like people were working together. Um, this guy had kind of a found family in his shelter that he was living underground with. And like there was like a really strong positive vibe. Um, and the the bad stuff that happens in the movie isn't even really as bad as it could have been. Like you're not getting that level of like walking dead nihilism where like it's just like gut wrenching. Like it's none of that stuff. Like it's actually kind of a kind of an uplifting movie in in certain ways. And it's really about this guy. Like you said, he's kind of a scaredy cat. Uh, just kind of finding himself and kind of getting in touch 
with who he is and also in how he relates to other people. I'm not going to say any more about it, but like, I think the relationship that they talk about in that movie is just really, really well done. And the perfect, the perfect thing for our times, um, you know, now that I think about it, I will I will get the wife to talk about it tonight. Maybe, Carlos, if I can convince you to, to put that clip at the end of this episode, I think that'd be a good time for people to listen to it. Yeah. I think that um, we'll probably get into spoiler territory in that, but I think this movie is a, a perfect movie for who we are as a culture, who we are as a people here in 2020. There's aspects that touch on coronavirus. There's aspects that touch on consent and what we think about male-female relationships. There's aspects about you know being confident in yourself i mean it's just it touches on so many things but it's also cool monsters cool action cool adventure it's just a really really well done movie yeah and i do like the uh, like you said the adventure of it like this you're following this this guy who like you said is learning about himself he's learning about and i don't want to spoil it because i know exactly what you're talking about and what you'll talk about in the separate uh, segment he's learning about his relationship with this girl that he likes um which is really really interesting and he's also, you know, at some point he meets a robot. That's not a spoiler, really. They, they show robots. In it was the like beginning. in the trailer, I think. Yeah, they yeah. in the trailer, I believe. And like, I love that moment. It was really, really cool and special. And like you said, so much of it is actually skewed positive where there's all this danger around. But it's not like, like you said, not going into Walking Dead territory. People aren't getting their yeah, faces ripped not, it's off. It's not dark. It's not gross. No, it's, no, not, no. it's not heavy. Which ironically, one of the guys from Walking Dead is in this. Oh, I know that that is true. That's right. I forgot what his name is, but uh, I don't know what is Michael Michael Rooker. Rooker, Michael, Michael Rooker, Rooker, yeah, and uh, and his his role is perfect, and and I think it's a great adventure. It felt like um you know Indiana Jones or something or something where you're following this journey. Yeah, for and sure. and you just love it, and like there's some comedy, there's some like heartfelt moments, and then yeah, again, I don't want to say any more about it, but. I bring it up just because, like you guys talked about it on this show, which is a gaming podcast, um, I I love everything. Like, I love all entertainment. So on my channel, uh, you know, I'm really going to be focusing on doing that, a lot more of that, like talking about all the different things, <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah, um, that I really am into. And so I think that gives me actual another uh, ability to talk about different types of media because, you know, we talk about every single video game. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, well, I mean, we can talk about whatever. I mean, we're pretty loosey goosey here. I know we stay pretty games focused, but every every once in a while, I'll give it a shout out to something is really good. I mean, you know, Love and Monsters, we just talked about. I'm going to give another shout out right now to something else just really quickly. Um, I know that right now it is October 24th. We still have another week or whatever it is until Halloween. So if you're in the mood for something spooky, I've been watching Bite Sized Halloween. It's on Hulu. It's also on YouTube. Um, they had some kind of a film contest where they had people make scary horror movies that were like five minutes or less and most of them are like literally two minutes and you can watch the whole thing i think there's 22 different episodes the longest one i think is five minutes and most of them are like a minute or two minutes and they've been really good i think out of the entire batch of like 22 movies i think only one was like Meh. but like all the rest of them were pretty good so shout out to bite size halloween in case you want to you know you want something spooky but you don't have a lot of time you don't want to invest 90 minutes or two hours you want to invest two minutes they got you covered. Bite-sized Halloween. That's cool. And I, I didn't know about that, which is uh, maybe something for my show. Who knows? Um, but add, I don't it know. To your, add it to your lot of things. Maybe one more thing. That's your know. second show. One more thing that comes one after a lot thing. of things. Additional things. Add <laughs> um, by the way, also Hubie Halloween. It's just a fun ride. If you like Adam Sandler, if you like Billy Madison. Wait, it, wait, wait. What would you say? What would you say? Hubie Halloween. Hubie. Wait. What are you saying? I don't understand what you're saying. Hubie. I, I did it my Invisalign. 
No, I don't I, even I don't even know oh, what you're talking about. Uh, this is another Halloween thing. It's on Netflix. It's called Hubie Halloween. It's Adam Sandler's film. Are you? Is that the guy's name? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Hubie? you don't know about this. No, I don't have no idea what you're oh talking about. Oh my goodness, it's like all over every advertisement. Hubie, H-U-B-I-E. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't even know what word you were saying. I was like, what is what? Okay, I got gotcha. you. It's, it's the Invisalign. I think it. <laughs> I don't think it is even. No, I think it's oh. just I had no no idea what you're talking about. My, okay, well, anyway, that's on me. That's, that's on me. a fun, relaxing romp. I mean, if you want something for the family, you just want to watch. Well, I mean, at times it gets a little ridiculous with, you know, projectile vomiting, but. In general, yeah, it's like a Billy Madison, and it actually has a good message at the end. And I had a fun time with it. It's good for Halloween. And that's uh, on Netflix? It's on Netflix, yeah, right now. And you said Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. It's basically Billy Madison, but with Halloween stuff. All right. Hard um, pass for me. Hard pass. I, that, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't stand Adam Sandler. Okay. He, no. Poison. Poison. But now that we're in the segment, and we're going to go right to video games after this, but because we have already went down this mini rabbit hole... Good Lord Bird, I'll be mentioning this on my channel as well, but Good Lord Bird is incredible. It's Ethan Hawke as John Brown. It's uh, from history. It's an eccentric character. Is this a TV show or a movie? It's a TV show. It's on Showtime. Showtime. He he was an abolitionist. It's really heartfelt and dark, but Is this real? Is this like real? Based on real. Based on real stuff. Yeah. John Brown, he was um, uh, an abolitionist back in the, the slave days, and it was really it's really really incredible um i can't wait for a new episode each each week um and then when we're in there because we're already in it the comedy store documentary is also fucking phenomenal and where are you watching that uh, that's also on showtime uh, okay i don't have showtime but i guess i'll wait for it to come to some other download service so yeah uh, before we do before we do leave housekeeping just a couple more things anything left on your housekeeping agenda carlos just that um well, why don't you do your housekeeping yours and i'll do one more at the end okay um, so just one thing real quickly. Now that we are entering the cold winter months, um, I do need to let people know that the Game Critics West podcasting studio is in my basement and I am also near my furnace. And I know that sometimes it makes some background noise. I apologize. But if I turn it off, my family's going to freeze upstairs and I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think the audience wants that. I don't think I want that. I want my family to be warm and safe upstairs in the living space. So please forgive me if you do hear like a background hum or like something that sounds machinery if I turn it off, my family going to freeze. So we're not going to turn that <laughs> off. Hopefully it's not going to be a big deal. I apologize in advance. One other thing, just to kind of get serious for a second. So on our 200th episode, we asked our listeners to send us emails, letters. We wanted to kind of see who is listening to us, who's getting in touch, who our audience is. And Carlos, I forwarded you this email. We got a wonderful, wonderful email from Listener Finder. Um, it's really long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just kind of recap it real quick. But first of all, I do want to say thank you very much to Finder for sending that in. I know he's been a listener for a really long time uh, and, you know, goes back uh, with the Game Critic stuff. So thank you for sticking with us all this time. But he sent this really long, really heartfelt email, which was just like, like really brutally honest and open. And I really appreciated like his candor and just like talking to us. I mean, at first it was like, you know, thanks for the show. And he was a fan and that's great. And we'd love to hear that stuff. But what what really took a turn was just to get serious for a second here, like he said that prior to listening to the show, he was a pretty conservative dude. And if anybody listens to this show, you know, we are not very conservative on the show. In fact, I think we were probably pretty hard left leaning when it comes to most things. Would you agree, Carlos? Yeah, but I don't like labels, but yeah, <laughs> sure. We don't like labels, but I think that no one would call us conservative in, in basically any fashion. So 
in this email, Finder went into uh, the fact that he was a pretty conservative dude. And after listening to the Game Critics podcast and some other experiences he had on the show, and then specifically when he was listening to So Video Games when it was me and Corey, uh, he kind of opened up his perspective and started seeing people who were gay as as maybe okay. Like maybe that was an okay way to be, which was a real direct challenge to his conservative upbringing. So the fact that he was listening to me and Corey and that, you know, me being straight, Corey being gay, we having a regular old podcasty bro, video gamey chat convo and gayness not even being a part of it, not even really being a factor, just that we're two guys relating to each other. That kind of, you know, showed him that maybe it's okay that people can be gay. And he kind of came around. So I guess now, if memory serves, he is no longer a conservative uh, dude. Maybe he's a little bit more on the left and he is uh, broadening his horizons a little bit. And I got to be honest with you, man, when I got to the end of the email finder, I almost shed a tear, dude. In fact, I, I may have shed a tear or two because it was yeah. really, it was really powerful, man. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I got to say, hearing that kind of thing from you and from other people who have sent us emails over the years, just knowing that there's somebody out there who gets any kind of value at all about the, the stuff that we record every week is like amazing. Just knowing that doing this show touched you, touched other people and has, has brought even one iota of goodness to the planet, has made this world even a better place, even in the smallest margins. I mean, that to me is like phenomenal. It makes it feel like it's all worthwhile. So thank you, Finder, so much for sharing that email. I really, really appreciated it. I shared it with my wife. She thought it was amazing. Corey read it. He thought it was amazing. Carlos, I sent it to you. I'm sure yep. you read it. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic comment. So thank you very much, Finder, for sending that email in. And thank you for sharing your story. Could not appreciate it more. And yeah. if other folks are out there, um, please send in your stories. I want to hear your stories. I want to get to know who is listening to us. You get to hear us every week, and that's what we're here for. But I would love to hear more about you. I mean, if you want to send us your emails, your comments, your questions, anything, hit us up and just tell us who you are. Yeah, I love the email. Thanks again for sending it. Um, I read it when it was forwarded to me. Super cool. I, I definitely want to, like, just like you, uh, you know, hear from people who are listening to us. Um, like, I will echo what you said. Any single response at all uh for things that we're putting out there in the world uh if we affected you in any way that's amazing and i that's what i live for like that's literally my mission on in life is to bring optimism and comedy and creativity and just weirdness to the world and yeah. hope that i can help other people feel um you know more comfortable uh, excited about who they are um not as scared about the world because we can all you know, get along. Like you said, uh, uh, with his email and just other people in general, maybe, I think a lot of things that I've worked on, um, I've tried to bring that openness. And I think when you do that in a really strong, honest way, people let their guard down and yeah. they also yeah. go, oh, these preconceived notions I had about the world and the way people are and the way gay people are and straight people and, and trans and all that stuff, it just dissipates because all you need to do is talk with some for someone for a while or have them listen to you talk for a while and then the perceptions you know, change. So literally that's my mission in life and to be part of that in any way here on this podcast is, is super special. So keep yeah, sending us yeah. those messages. Please do, please yeah. do. You know, Carlos, are you familiar with Dan Savage at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I listen to Dan. I mean, I used to listen to him all the time when I had more time. I haven't listened lately, but you know, Dan Savage is a gay uh, political activist, columnist, does a sex device column, does a podcast. And one of the things that Dan talks about, he always talks about the campfire rule. Do you know the campfire rule? I don't think I do know the campfire rule. 
I don't, he didn't come up with this himself. I think it's stolen from the Boy Scouts or somewhere. I don't know where he got it from, but basically he applies it to relationships, but I think it also applies to this podcast. And I think it probably applies to you and me both. Uh, the campfire rule is basically when you get into something, whether it's a situation, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whatever it is, you want to leave it better than you found it. Like the idea being, if you go to a campsite, you don't leave trash all over the place. You don't, you know, mess the place up and leave it in its gross. Like uh, you go okay. to a place, you take care of the, the woods, you respect the woods, you respect the animals. You maybe have a campfire, but you clean up the campfire when you're done. You don't leave anything burning. Like you go to a camp, but you leave the camp better than when you found it. If you see a piece of trash that's not yours, you pick it up. You see some something's messed up, you fix it. You know, like you leave it better than you found it. And I kind of like apply that to just me in general. I bet you probably do too, Carlos, even if you haven't heard of the campfire rule. But like if if we can do this podcast and leave like the world even one notch better than we found it. I say our work is done. Yeah, and that's exactly not to like go back to it, but that's exactly why I want to focus on that for for a little while at least if if not maybe for a very long time uh, with the other stuff that I do outside of the podcast, you know. I want to yeah. keep creating content that is honest, that is uh, that can reach across the aisle, you know, and like basically say, "Hey, we're all the Oof. same." Uh, I don't like that phrase these days, but I get what you mean. Yeah, I'm just saying like there is no aisle. Okay, <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> there is no fucking aisle. It, there's just us, and we're all just here. And if someone watches me do a video about uh, a game or a new TV show right, or listens right. to us, you and I, on the podcast, they shouldn't see that. And so if they don't, that's that. our work is done. So, um, and, and back to real quick on the, on the Corey episode, he had mentioned, to kind of talk about games for a second, um, Outer Don't Worlds. talk about games. We're not here to talk about games. Go okay, ahead. I'll leave. Okay, I'll just stop <laughs> recording and and no, we're good. We're he, uh, he he mentioned Outer Worlds and going back and playing the uh, oh, DLC. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, holy fuck, uh, Outer Worlds is like I just recently did like a top ten PS4 games, and I think it's gonna make the list because I are you really talking about top game. ten of all PS4 games? Yeah, I'm actually doing a list like that. So spoiler, ah. spoiler, spoiler. Um, but yeah, I love I, lists, dude. We should do a total show about that. I love making lists. Gamers make lists. That's what we do. Okay, so I just did one. This is then this is like breaking news. For breaking the, news. Breaking news for the channel. YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Um, and it's in my top t- 10 PS4 games. And I did it like live. Uh, like not live, but like I recorded it live. So I went through the list and just kind of like axed out things that I, you know, ma- that made the list or didn't make the list. And then I, I arrived at 10, and I'm pretty happy with it. And I think Outer Worlds made it. I, wow. I just recorded I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, so I did it on my channel, but we should do it too. It's funny. Yeah, we can totally do that. I, listeners love to do lists. I love to do lists. We can absolutely do that. And I think that's probably, now that we are moving on to the PS5, I think that would be a good way to send off the PS4. Yeah, that's exactly why I did One. it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I yep. think it's a good idea. Let's, I'm going to make a note once I get a free hand here. Uh, make list... Make list top PS. I'm doing this in real <laughs> time. Like, really exciting it, stuff, right? Are right you like typing like a caveman? Make Anytime, well, list. Yeah, I got. I can't say my keyword very well. For game you. PS. Um, it's <laughs> it's funny you say that because I I did not really care for uh, Outer Worlds that much when I first played it, despite being a big New Vegas fan. But after hearing Corey talk about it, I'm like, you know, I should give that game a second shot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another shot. Uh, but that aside, I think we should definitely do a top 10 list. I think our listeners would love that. That's, that's always a good show. Let's do okay. it. One, one more one, housekeeping. One more housekeeping. And then we'll really talk about games because we have like 18. We got like so many fucking games At least games 18 tonight. games. Gosh, damn, I need liquor. Okay. Um, PS5. I, I did a video about this too. And I, I apologize. I, I've been doing a lot of videos. 
So I apologize throwing back to the fact that I did them. But I did do one on the on the PS5 and Cyberpunk because I'm confused, Brad. I don't know if I have a PS5. I pre-ordered one, right? Yeah. And I pre-ordered the headphones. Pretty excited about the headphones. Okay. And uh, Amazon hasn't told me if I'm going to get it yet. So, so what happened? Like you put in a pre-order and they said, what, TBD? Or what did they say? They, they emailed most people, I think maybe all of the people uh, who pre-ordered with them and said like, hey, just so you know, this isn't guaranteed. We'll get back to you. So mm, catch you later. And they did like a little peace sign. And I was like, that seems a little lazy So I, I'm confused now, which I did a whole video because I was like, it, Cyberpunk comes out on November 19th. The PS5 comes out comes out on November 12th. Well, if I don't have it on November 12th, do I start it on PS4? Because, and here's my point, I learned while making the video that the upgrade that you get for the PS5 visuals isn't till next year. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I what I did not know that. That's what I hear through the grapevine. So, do I start it on a PS4 and just deal with that I'm not playing the optimal experience until later? I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to not buy a new console right away. I'm going to wait because I don't want to deal with these pre-orders, all the stress, all the hassle. It seems like just a big, just pain point for a lot of people. So I'm not even going to worry about it. Like okay. if there's one in the store and I happen to have a store, wait, hold on. What, what it's, what's a store? I mean, that doesn't even, I mean, that's true. It doesn't make sense anymore to even say yeah. that. That's weird. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm browsing Amazon, okay. sorry, I'm still using my pre COVID brain there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm browsing Amazon and they're like in stock and I look at my bank account and I happen to have $600 or whatever it is, ugh, doubtful, but you know, if so, uh, you know, maybe I'll get one, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hassle about it. Right. Like if I, if I don't get one till January, February, March, that's gonna be fine. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play cyberpunk on my PS4 and I'm going to just play the shit out of that. I think the PS4 still delivers great graphics. You know, not bleeding edge, but it's going to be more than good enough. And I'm going to have a good time with that game, hopefully. And I'm just going to be fine with that. And I'm not going to worry about, you know, is this not as shiny as it could be? Is it not as fancy as it could be? It's still going to be a great experience regardless. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Well, I'll think about it. I'm very, very perplexed because I really do. Like, I want to just lose myself in that world. Um, but I might do that, too. I might just play it on PS4. I, I do have a PS4 Pro. And like, just let the upgrades get visual. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I bet it's gonna be fine, dude. It's gonna look great. It's gonna play great. It'll be fine. Plus, I played Witcher three for like one hundred million hours. Same. So I put I'll, like one hundred fifty hours in that game, and I had a right. great time with it. So my point is, Cyberpunk, I'll play it until next year, <laughs> easily. Easily. And then I'll just wait for the visuals. Okay. Well. That's there cool. you go. Okay. All right, folks. I know that this has been an epic opening. We don't usually do these giant, chunky openings, but maybe I will do timestamps again. I did them last week, and it seemed like yeah, I was gonna say, let's go. I like that a lot. Let's do it's it again. It's just like oh, it's like a pain. It's kind of a pain. It's like an extra step. But I guess if people like it, maybe I'll do it. Anyway, it really helps with our podcast. I think it does. It does. It's fine. Okay, so moving on, we are now in the actual games chat, folks. We have literally every game under the sun to talk about we have so many fucking games let's get right to it this is the meat of the show carlos we're going to start with you with a tiny little game called torchlight 3 uh tell us all about it what system are you on first of all ps4 are we both playing it on ps4 i have played it on ps4 i am not playing it on ps4 but yeah i've played it on ps4 what are you playing it on oh ps4 i, I just oh. stopped playing it that's what oh. i meant to say I well by the way it. spoiler Spoiler, stop playing it. <laughs> okay. But okay. let's let's talk let's talk with you first. I, I bet you probably like it a lot more than I did. 
Yeah, I think you know that. Like, I mean, are what you're? Are you a Diablo fan? I mean, I like those games when they're done well, but I don't play them all. I'm not like it's not my favorite genre, but I okay. like them if they're done well. Yeah, it is one of my favorite genres because it's that one of those things where you can just lose yourself in it, not from a narrative perspective, but from a just straight up leveling perspective and grinding. Yeah. Um, and usually, if it's done well, like you said, the the hook and the grind is 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 addictive enough that keeps you um and so that that's why this review that i'll say is a little from column a and column b oh really interesting okay i thought you were going to be head over heels for this but maybe there's maybe there is some something to talk about here yeah i want okay here's the thing my pre pre beginning oh that's not a thing uh (laughs) pre-beginning is that i really really wanted to be head over heels for this and i remember begging to if we get a code or was i going to get an early access and we were lucky enough to get a code um so torchlight if you don't know it's basically a friendlier version of diablo and the fact that it's like the graphics are more like colorful and kind of i don't want to say more lighthearted lighthearted yeah that's a good way to say it and um it is an action rpg down you're looking downward so diablo type uh camera and you have pets you've always had pets in torchlight so that's the part that's pretty fun and whimsical where the pets can like carry items for you and then when you get overloaded with items they can go back to town and sell them i love that mechanic so in general it's yeah super addictive i think i played both first two games on my computer like pc yeah 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 yeah. And uh, it works really well with the mouse. You know, it's like a point and click fest and you can just like go and kill a million monsters and you feel good about yourself, get a bunch of inventory, throw it onto your pet. The pet takes it back to town and then you're just leveling up and it's really fun. So, um, yeah, so the, the ugh. so it has a lot of the same things. Like I said, it has pets. It's got expanded pets, actually tons of different types of pets, uh, weird little baby dragons, owls dogs animals anything you could think of they have um and the graphics are really colorful and nice but you start off and the story is obviously the first thing you 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 learn about and it's just like i don't know what this story is like i I don't know what's happening i still don't know what's happening i've played probably seven eight hours almost now like i really went into it and i don't know who the characters are i don't know what the motivation is I think there's just a map and there's different new maps <laughs> and I go to those maps and I do things and there's Dude, that is exactly exactly what you just said that was a big big turnoff for me like yeah. I start this game and I'm expecting Diablo mechanics you know loot you know looting and leveling up and equipping stuff I'm expecting all that but man the story zero effort on the story I had no idea like just like you said who am I what is happening why am I going to this place what is going on what is my quest I just none of it made any scratch at all. And like when the I'm talking to the people in town and there's like this giant bunches of throwaway text that don't mean anything with no context, like zero effort to like get me involved in the world, in the adventure. It's just like, hey, yeah, it's a Diablo. Like you want to play this, don't you? Come play this. And who cares about a story? Like (laughs) I care about a story. I need a little bit. I'm not, you know, I don't need war and peace, but I need a little bit of motivation and they couldn't even do that. Like I was just like, "What am I even doing here?" And by the way, it'd be weird if they wanted if War and Peace was the intro. But it uh, would be the wrong choice. But I can understand how some people might want that. Gone with it. the wind. But also, it's Diablo. 
Um, no, I, I'm totally with you on that. And I think that, you know, like Diablo, uh, I don't like the gore. We all know that. Sure. If you listen to this podcast. But in Diablo, there's a lot of gore in those intros. But at the same time, it's pretty affecting. You're like, whoa, this is intense. You know, any of those cinematics you watch at the beginning of Diablo, including the new one, uh, just looks epic. And you're like, oh, I got to be in that world. But this one was like, I guess bad stuff happened. It's kind of carried over from another game, I think. And then, like you said, there's a lot of throwaway text, but it's also in the game design because there's a hub world and there's a bunch of people. And you're like, should I care about any of these people? Who are these people to me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what am other, I even doing? Like the first quest I got, I'm like, what am I even doing? Yeah, I, it's like go to this, go to this map. Okay, I'm here. What am I? Why am I here? Just do the thing on the map. Like it's just like this busy work on a plate. And I'm like, I don't, I I got lots of other stuff to do. I want to have like motivation. I want to have investment. I I literally had no idea what I was supposed to be doing on that map. Right, just a little motivation. And let me rewind for a minute before we get started. There's four different character classes. And um, I didn't enjoy any of them. Like, I, I was like, oh, wait, I don't want to be any of these people. And in general, I play these games. I want to be a two-handed melee guy. That's just what I want to do. Uh, if I can find that, that's what I want to go for. So the closest I got was the Railmaster. And the Railmaster had a big, huge hammer. And I was like, I like hammers in melee games. Let's do it. But he also has his ability as a train. And he can have a train show up and go toot, toot, and drive behind him. And it like does, he, does he ride the train? No. It has, like, weapons in it. And so as you upgrade it, it can, like, shoot enemies for you, right? And it can drive around, like, follow you. Um, there's a couple problems here. The first problem is, again, I didn't feel really tied to any character class. I didn't feel sure, excited about sure. it. Then the one that I did had this weird train that I'm still not happy with because <laughs> there's a button that, like, lets you make the train go faster and catch up to where you are. Because normally it's just kind of going slightly behind you. And then when you do that, I, I don't know why you do that button. Like I push a button and it, he, he zooms up and comes near me. I think he's hitting enemies when he does that, but I can't tell. But he's got a little gun and he shoots his gun. And then there's this ability thing where you can add more abilities to it when this thing is glowing. If this sounds confusing, it is. Um, and, and so I don't know ever even what my little train's doing. I really don't understand... What, what what I'm doing with it. And it doesn't, I mean, basically, I can, like, take my upgraded super sword and just fucking wipe out everybody before he even shows up. You know, like, he's he's shooting things in the distance, but maybe way, may, way down the road, like, I can level him up so he's, like, totally destroying. I'm right, sure, yeah. Yeah, but right now, but I'm pretty far into the game. You know, I've, like, spent... Yeah, at least seven hours probably. Like Maybe leveling. you're not investing in the right thing. Because that was, that was one of my problems too, right? So you get four character classes. I tried three. I did not try the Railmaster. I settled on there's a robot that you can be. Because yep. he had like uh, a chain gun in his chest. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go with this. It seems kind of fun. Um, but like you just get hit in the face with like a, lot of, like a lot of menus, a lot of like skill trees, a lot of like things to equip. And I just – I didn't – I mean – I know what these things are in general just because I play games and I've, you know, I've been around for a long time. So I got a, a base familiarity, but like, it just seems like, Hey, we made all this stuff, get all this stuff in here. Look at all these menus, go in these menus, do the stuff. And I like, I want to be like walked into the game a little bit more, like introduce me to your world, introduce me to your systems, show me what you've got going on here. Don't make me make a bunch of choices right off the bat because I don't know what I'm doing yet. Like, like start me in slow and let me build and let me grow an attachment to my character and let me, 
you know, have this connection to your game. And it just feels like none of that stuff got done. It's just like, we made a bunch of menus, we made a bunch of skill trees, made a bunch of items, go for it, people. And it's like, that's not really the experience I want. Yeah, that's totally it. And I think that's what you're saying is like, you go into those menus and it is just craziness. Like there's just so much text. Some of the boxes are just like broken. Cause like text boxes will show up over different things that you're trying to look yeah, at and they're yeah. like covering up other pieces of text and you're like, totally, Whoa, yes, this yes. isn't fun at all. And every time I go back in there, it's pretty laborious to like, just pick the right skill. Cause I'm like, there's boxes in the way. So there's a lot of things wrong with the menus. There's a lot of things wrong with, uh, I don't think the characters are like compelling enough. Also, I don't have any idea what the story is that all that said, I still like the pet system. I do like the added fort. So basically you can have your own fort now where after you clear out one of the early areas in the beginning of the game, they say, hey, this is your fort now. You can upgrade it. You can put a bunch of stuff in it. You can put like little different cages for your animals. And I did have a good time with like, you know, making something my own and knowing that I could come back there and upgrade stuff and not have to worry about, you know, doing some like armory stuff and all that stuff in one place. So I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Um, but in general, oh yeah, another positive is I really like the sound. Like I have playing it with headphones and the, the music and the sound effects are really good. So that was kind of a pro, which makes me sound like I'm doing like a game pro magazine. Yeah. <laughs> sound 8.0. But what's the fun factor, Carlos? What is the fun factor? Oh, that's good. Uh, fun factor is about a six. Oh, that's the screamy face, isn't it? No, it's the kind of, kind of bored face, I think. Oh, the kind of bored face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like at times I'm wiping out, you know, mobs of enemies and I'm feeling pretty good and I'm confused by my train. <laughs> and he's just doing things because he's a train. Uh, but I'm feeling pretty fun. It's like fun. I'm, I'm taking out bosses. You know, it's always fun to get loot when you, you know, or when a rare weapon shows up and you're like, holy shit, that's the Hellblade Death Angel Monster Sword. Um, and I just found it. So that part's fun, and that's why I kept playing. And I'm not, like, stopping playing, but it is tricky. It's like it's a game that makes it hard to like it, if that makes sense. This game's this What this game is to me is if someone handed me a giant piece of wood that had, like, 8,000 screws in it, and I had to screw in all the screws. And they're like, here, it's a piece of wood with screws. You like to screw, don't you? You like to use this, these tools. Use this drill and screw these screws in. And I'd be like, well, I'm not trying to build a house. What is? What am I making? Why am I here? What is the purpose of me doing this work? No, I usually like to do it, right? Just do the thing. Uh, Just put yeah. the screws in the wood. It feels like somebody handed me a pile of like mechanical activity that I can partake in, but I have no real reason to do it and no real motivation and no investment. So... If I really just want to screw in a bunch of screws in a piece of wood because the act of screwing the screws in is fun, then there you go. But I, if I, I actually want to build something, if I want some purpose to my energy, uh, this game does not deliver. I agree, but it's more fun than that. <laughs> it's more fun than screwing <laughs> screws into wood. Only marginally. Marginally. Not no, much. I think it's more than marginally. But I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think that's all we really can talk about because I think... It's doing some new things, but it's also breaking some things. Because the things that I just mentioned that I didn't like, I never experienced in the first two games. Like, there's some, like, like you said, confusion about even where to A go. A lot of confusion, yeah. Yeah, like, even, like, like places on the map. I don't even know which section I'm supposed to be at. There's just, like, a lot of question marks. And I'm like, 
yeah, tell me about it. I got a question mark over my own head. If <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much sums like the Torchlight 3 experience. Not a great one. I maybe put in maybe like 90 minutes and I'm like, I'm good. I bowed out of that. But are you going to keep putting time into it? I am here and there because I, I definitely, there's a place where you want, especially I do, want that type of a game. And I don't think I have it right now in any other game. So it's kind of like that Diablo fix, you know, is sitting sure, there sure. Waiting, waiting for me until Diablo 4. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on. We're going to stay with you for the moment, uh, Carlos. Eichenfell, I-K-E-N-F-E-L-L. Eichenfell, an indie RPG. It's a 2D pixel-based game. I played it on the Switch. You played it on the Switch also, I assume? No, I played it on uh, PS4. On PS4? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. So we play on different platforms, but still basically the same thing. You play a girl who is looking for her sister and her sister is going to like a school for magic kids. Your main character starts out the game with no magic, but she all of a sudden develops magic powers. That's part of the story. You go to find her. It's kind of like a turn-based strategic. I mean, it's like a turn-based RPG, but also there's like positioning with squares on the battlefield. I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. Carlos, what what do you like about Iconfell? What are your thoughts on Iconfell? How much have you played of Iconfell? Tell us all about it. Yeah, it's got grid-based combat. Grid-based combat. So GBC. Like, yeah, you're just moving your character around and picking where you want to be, and then you're doing some attack. Um, so we both played this, and yeah, I, I randomly found it on PS4, and I just wanted to check it out. I love simple pixel art games, and they do a really good job of it. I really like the style. It's really simple, but it's it's cool looking. The story is, is it's pretty basic to start, but then it does develop. There's kind of a personal story being told here. And it's um, a lot of different characters as the game opens up. So I won't spoil it, but it's not just about two sisters. It's about a whole cast of characters and their interactions and really kind of a weird pacing, I guess, is one of the things that I realized where a lot of stuff happens later on in the game. So I felt like I was in the woods, like you start the game in the woods to fight a bunch of monsters. Literally in the woods, yeah. Literally in the woods. And, you know, I feel like I took a long time to get out of the woods and then also try to, like, figure out what was going on and, like, learn the story. So I feel like the pacing's a little off because I would have liked to kind of just understood where I'm at, what the characters are in the game earlier on. Agreed. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a weirdness for me. And then the other weirdness for me uh, is the, the combat. Um, oh, I don't know what's going on with this. So there's a mechanic which used, used to be used in a lot of old school games, which is when you attack, you can hit the button again right when you attack. I guess this is used in a lot of games. Like, and, um, like the, the Paper Mario games where you pick an yes. attack. You got to hit the button again at the exact right time. If you hit it right, you get extra damage. If you don't hit it right, then you do like a lot less damage. That kind of a, it's not an act. What do you even call that? Like it's not an active time battle. That's like the Final Fantasy. I don't know what you call it, but like putting hitting the button at the right time in the middle of a turn based combat. Oh, there's got to be a term for that. We're not there must be a term. Yeah. I don't know what that term is, but we'll find um, out. Or we could just say it the long way, like we did. Uh, you yes, know, when exactly. you have to hit the button at that certain time. So that felt broken for me, or. I felt like there was an energy meter that I wasn't seeing because I was hitting that motherfucker at the right time and nothing was happening. And it was so defeating because I felt like I did it. I motherfucking did it. And then I did it early. Then I did it later. 
or trying to hit the button like where is the sweet spot they want me to hit i couldn't fucking figure it out i did it every once in a while but you also do that same thing when you're dodging and so if you don't do it when you dodge you really can get hurt bad oh man the consequences for missing that are really severe way like, too severe. so much more damage yeah. yeah so were you having a hard time with that too yeah, I was actually. I um, I mean, full disclosure, I don't like this game very much. Um, I think it's it's okay. I don't. I think the graphics are too simple. I think, like you said, the pacing was too off. It's just it's wasted too much time. I felt like I was doing like way too many battles, and I'm sure that you know, of course, doing the battle system is part of this game. But I just felt like I just felt like it was kind of like some of that JRPG bloat that I don't enjoy. I felt like it could have really gotten to the point a lot quicker. But like you said, um, in the turn in the the turn based grid based battles, like you'll have to do a a magic spell or something and then right before your fireball hits you got to hit the button and it's just like the the timing for certain things i could nail every time but then there was other times when i was really unclear about when the timing was or i just couldn't hit it and man like if you block and hit the button you'll take one damage if you miss the button you take like six damage and your person's only got like 10 health or something like yeah. that right so like it's really severe so um one thing in Eichenfell's favor is that they do have a pretty good selection of options to let you customize that experience. I believe you can turn that to where you will never completely miss the timing, but you can either go between like perfect timing or okay timing, but you will never miss the timing, which I think is a good choice. Because Dude, missing the timing I learned is about really that. Severe. I learned about that way too late. Oh, really? Yeah, I turned that on like almost immediately because I'm like, Dude, there's a real fucking big difference when your person has 10 health between taking one hit and six hits like that is a huge difference yeah so i'm like this is too severe and i just i just i just didn't click with it very much it just felt like a very basic this would have been like amazing like i don't know 15 years ago or something and right now it just kind of feels like okay like it's a jrpg it's turn based, it's grid based whatever i mean i think i i didn't get this far uh to be perfectly honest with you but i've heard some people say that uh, there are some gay characters and they're very out and that that is maybe one reason why people like it so much is because they portray uh, queer people in a positive light. That's great if that's true. I didn't get that far, but I'm all for that. Uh, but that's not enough for me. Like I need to actually enjoy the game I'm playing and it just it just kind of felt kind of basic and I just wasn't really that interested in it. Yeah, I think the biggest problem here is what you were talking about is I think I'm just get, getting into that stuff now where all the characters and all the interactions between this world that they are building and maybe messages they want to talk about um, with gay characters, etc. cetera. Uh, it, it's just way too long to get there. Oh so, yeah, dude. Absolutely. So this, they, ugh, way too long. They probably could patch that maybe in some way, but like if you could just get to the part where like you're actually introduced to all these people and all this kind of, you know, interaction happens, I think that'd be better. Also, there is actually another option I learned about where you can like make it like, you can just win the battle. Like if you're like, Oh yeah, I saw that button. Just push a button and you win the battle, which yeah. is like, I mean, that's cool. Like I didn't play with that option, but I think that's awesome for people who maybe just don't want to mess with the combat, which I totally understand or people maybe who have some kind of disability or maybe they just don't want to engage with it in that way. I think just giving the option is awesome. I didn't do it. I didn't use it, but yeah. I, I think it's great that it's there. I didn't use it either. I just learned about it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, it's like um, it almost reminds me of Torchlight in a way. Where there's like a bunch of good things. I think there's a bunch of really interesting things. And I think they're probably saying more if I can like <laughs> stomach getting through some of the combat or using instant win to to, to read it, you know, because I kind of want to see what they're saying and yeah. how that, that thing could end. But also the other thing I did like is you save um, when you're in the woods, you save at the cat. Yeah, you, you pet a cat to save. 
that's the well, that's the best. <laughs> that, that's probably another big reason why people like it. People love any animal related content these days. Oh so. come on, cats! I mean, you save the game in a cat. Oh, and it, it like meows. It's really awesome. It's um, anyways, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag for both those reviews. Yeah, yeah. I bowed out. I'm not going to put any more time into either one, Torchlight Three or Iconfell. Uh, but we have so many other games to talk about. I'm going to take over for a minute here. <clears throat> First up for me, GI Joe Operation Blackout. Oh Dude. shit! You played this? I did play this. Uh, so I'm a, I'm definitely more of a Transformers fan, but I also have a great affection for GI Joe from back in the day. But there's a lot of people out there who also love GI Joe. Uh, so this is a licensed game based on the toy line. It seems like it's got. It's not the classic stuff. It's like the updated toy line, or maybe they're basing it on the comics. I don't know exactly what version of GI Joe they're basing this on, uh, because Cobra Commander looked different. And the voices were not quite right. So, I, you know, I don't know what they're basing this on. But basically, G.I. Joe. I'm like, yes, I would love to play some G.I. Joe. I would love to shoot some Cobra guys. I would like to drive cool vehicles and do army missions. So I jumped into this third person, kind of a run and gun game. Um, and I got to say, I really dislike it a lot. It's, it's, it's kind of hot garbage. Uh, controls for a shooter have to be at least serviceable. And I felt like the controls for this game were real bad. I was constantly going back into the menu to, to, to adjust like the sensitivity of the sticks because like it just it never felt good. I was either turning way too slow or I was like way overcorrecting and like overshooting my target. And I just did. I just couldn't get into a zone where I felt like the controls were were, were natural. So that was really terrible. Um, graphics are OK. They're kind of low rent. They don't look as sharp as they could. Um, I mean, you could recognize duke and cobra commander and destro and those guys but they don't it didn't look awesome like it didn't look great i was playing this on ps4 by the way in case i didn't mention that and the missions that i played i played i think two missions and they just took forever they were so long like i would be playing them shooting cobra guys and then shooting some more cobra guys and then shooting some more cobra guys and shooting some more i'm like okay like i get it and i get that's what this game is about but can we maybe spice this up a little bit can we have some variety it just felt really just it's not fun to play like really like a slog and it wasn't comfortable to control it didn't even look that great so can i ask you a question yeah absolutely in my opinion when you just said gi joe and i remember it was a game and i was like oh my goodness this is a game really um does to me with your description you said and also what i just thought it would be it just sounds like it's probably a reskin of like a game that they were already making does it feel like that you know basic like, it could be I mean, any game, right? It could be any game. It, it literally could be any generic third-person shooter. Uh, there's nothing really about it that screams G.I. Joe. Although, you know, I'm not a developer. I don't know how exactly you would do that. But, for example, like, uh, in one part you play Cobra Commander. And he has, like, this special ability where he shoots venom across the ground. And I'm like, okay, but Cobra Commander, like, never did that in the comics or in the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He was, like, not actually a snake except for that one episode. But in general... 99% of the time, he was just like a dude in a mask. So why is he shooting Venom? <laughs> and what's going on? And like Duke, uh, the leader of G.I. Joe, like throws this weird like disco grenade where it just like explodes like 15 times. And I'm like, well, that's not from the that's not from the toy line. That's not from the show. I, I get that they can't make it exactly like the toys and stuff. But it like you said, this could have easily been like any generic um, third person shooter. And it didn't even feel that great. It just it felt like perhaps a PS2 game or a PS3 game. Um, did not push any technical boundaries. Didn't you know? Didn't perform very well. Just it just wasn't a good time. Just was not a good time. So I, I I noped out of that. What's that Far Cry game that they did like um, 80s style? Oh, Blood Dragon. Blood Dragon. 
The Blood Dragon, I think, had a cartoon in it that was like G.I. Joe, right? Am I remembering I, that right? I, you know, I bought it like three times. I actually haven't played it yet. I keep meaning I, to play I, it. Okay, I think it does. And I was like, when you asked, like, what could they have done to make it G.I. Joe? Well, how about fucking put G.I. Joe in there? Like, make the cartoon or, like, make it, you know, uh, just give us some lore or some reasoning. I haven't played the game. I'm just going off of your review yeah. and also the, just the screenshots. It just looks like Joe Schmo, ah, pun intended. Uh, Joe Schmo basic, you know, third person shooter. Yeah. And like you said, like random ass shit that has nothing to do with the characters. And that was like, for me too, a really big, I don't know why I wasn't into like, you know, army stuff really, but everybody fucking watched G.I. Joe when I was growing up. Yeah, and, and that was the thing back in the day. Yeah. And we had the toys and I love those action figures. And so it's just, they could have done so much with it. It sounds like, and yeah. it sounds like they just did a generic thing. Super generic. I mean, there are some cutscenes, but the cutscenes are really poorly done, like really poor quality hand drawn art. Like it's not even not even as good as like the comic books. And like it just it just doesn't look good. Like if you want to play something that is an homage to a property, like you want to at least like nail that stuff, right? Like you right. want it to look sharp. You want it to be like, oh man, this totally looks like what I remember, you know, from the cartoon or from the action figures. It just looks just like ah, just it's kind of low rent all around. I really can't recommend it. I really dislike playing it very much i do not recommend it i dislike hearing about it and also i'm mad because <laughs> you know like they could have done so much with it what a missed opportunity for nostalgia you know go back yeah. to that again that cartoon is what i think of and like the action figures and they could have done so much interesting things before we leave gi joe i want to say this one when i had gi joe and i don't know why i did this i'm guessing you did too I'm guessing a lot of young boys did this but we we i smashed them I would no. take you didn't no, do I this. Did not do that. No, all my GI Joes are in perfect condition. Oh, we're opposite. Okay, so me and a bunch of other people. Where where are my boys at? All right, hit me up on Twitter. You know who you are. <laughs> they're not here on this podcast. <laughs> no, they, well, they're not here right now. You're not one of them. But I no, am not one of them. There's a lot of things that I smashed when I was a kid, and I don't know why I did it. I I, I don't understand. But like cars, smash them. Uh, toys, strap bombs. We would like put little mini bombs to toys and like explode them. Like. What was that about? I don't get it. Like I'm, I, I, I cannot answer that question. No, I did not destroy any of my shit. Like <laughs> all my shit is in perfect shape. I have stuff from when I was a kid. It looks brand fucking new, dude. I even what? have the boxes of some of this stuff. It's perfect. Oh my shape. goodness. Yeah. So, all right. Well, yeah. anyways, uh, that's for a therapy session later. But also before we leave, <laughs> GI Joe, I want to say, remember Mask? Yes, I love Mask. Yes, Mask was really good, man. That was a good, good toy line for people that don't know because you're not as old as we are. Yeah, Mask was like you would have these vehicles that would have a secret second mode. Like you would have like um, I don't know, like a Camaro race car, but then you push a button and the doors flip open and they become wings, and then like these jets pop out of the back and it becomes like a plane. Or you'd have a motorcycle where you you move a couple parts around and all of a sudden it's like a helicopter. And everybody that was driving these vehicles had a special mask, and the, all the masks had special powers. On the cartoon, the masks in real life didn't do jack shit, but at least you had a little mask on your guy. Cool yeah. toy line. I love that toy, toy line. Toy line was so fun, and the cartoon <sighs> I watched, and oh my goodness. It's funny you bring up masks, dude, because, like, ironically, I was scanning Twitter, and, like, two weeks ago, somebody found an abandoned, like, cargo freight container in, like, I want to say it was, like, Venezuela or Brazil, it was full of mint mask toys that had been what? undelivered and untouched. They found it like in a, at a warehouse or like in some weird place or something. They opened it up and like, what the fuck? It's full of mask toys from the 80s. Totally untouched. Had never made it to the stores. It got shipped out from wherever the manufacturer was and it got lost in oh, South America. And it sat goodness. there for like 30 fucking years, dude. They just oh, found it like shit. two weeks. You should Google that and 
Maybe you can get some on eBay. Well, maybe I can get some from that. Maybe one of those are mine. Maybe I ordered it and it never arrived. It never got to your house. Maybe. Possible. Um, next game we're talking about. This is a very, very unusual and strange one. It's called Horace. H-O-R-A-C-E. Have you heard about this one? Nope. On this podcast, sometimes I have to like Google it in the show. Because, this, again, we don't do research. Yes. We don't do research. So this game is called Horace. It is a 2D platformer. I'm playing it on the Switch. I believe it's also on PC. I don't know if it's anywhere else. Uh, I didn't know anything about this when PR propositioned me with it. And I'm like, well, sure, I'll check it out. I did not know what to expect. This game is 1 million percent not what I expected in a good way. Uh, The basic premise is that you play Horace, who is a robot. He is brought to life by, uh, I don't look like a wealthy English dude or something, uh, like Laura Croft's dad or whatever. And he brings you to life and he teaches you how to do things. He's like teaching you to be like a living being. And it's, you know, of course, it's a tutorial at first, like walk and jump and all this stuff. Uh, But that's not really what the game is about. I was expecting more of a platformer, but really it's a very heavy narrative game because the developer takes every opportunity possible to put you in the shoes of this robot. What does it feel like to not understand humanity? What does it feel like to be different from everybody else? What does it feel like to be in the world where no one else is like you and people relate to you in a different way? And what is it like when people don't like you for who you are? Uh, Man, this story fucking hit me in the feels, dude, like real hard, like real fucking hard. Um, I'm not finished with it, but they do. They, I mean, there is 2D platforming and it does get more complicated as you go on in the beginning. It's just like you're hopping a couple platforms, no big deal. But there's a lot of time taken in the cutscenes. There's a lot of time in the story where they do. I, I can't spoil any of it, but they do like really unexpected, really strange, weird stuff that you would never expect from a 2D platformer to do. Like in the cutscenes, the way they bring up people, the way they talk about relationships, the way that they use the medium um, to present you with different perspectives on things. Like it just kind of blew my mind, dude, from my, like, out of nowhere. This strange ass game is making me think about what does it mean to be a human being? What Whoa. does it mean to be lonely? Like, what does it mean to like... What does it mean to love another person? I'm like, what? what is going on? Like, it is is making me feel things. And I'm like crying and I'm upset. And it's like, it's really strange. This is so um, fucking up my alley. It's ridiculous. Dude, you would love this game. You would love this game. I totally recommend this game to you 100%. I'm so, adding it to my wish list right now. Add it to your wish list. Play this game. Um, I don't want to say any more about it because I feel like the discovery of this game is really where this game strengths are. But I will say um, it starts slow. And at first you're thinking, okay, this is just some janky ass piece of indie shit. But if you hang in there, I promise you, it gets better. The mechanics get better. The platforming gets better. But also the story is just like, I literally am so surprised. The writing is excellent. The cutscenes are excellent. It just, it really knocked me off my feet. Like, and I don't want to spoil anymore. But like, if you want something that really takes story in a way that you haven't seen it before, in a, in a, a medium that you're not expecting, I mean, you don't you don't expect this kind of, discussion in a 2d platformer that looks like a a low rent indie um props to these developers man they man they got me they got me by real surprise and i just i feel like it's been a long time since i felt as emotionally involved in a game as i have with this one so holy crap sorry i was like yes no just looking at some of the pictures and i just had to exclaim yeah Um, some of that stuff is crazy but this is horace h-o-r-a-c-e i'm playing it on the switch i'm sure it's also on pc i don't know if it's anywhere else but man what a strange unexpected bizarre pleasant wonderful little game 
I really hope this is on PS4 because I'd love to play it on my TV. Um, this is not a spoiler because, and I know I, now that I'm looking at some of the images, that's why I exclaimed. Um, I know why you didn't want to spoil it. There's a lot of fun stuff they do with the game. Some of those changes and weirdness is in the Steam page. So if you don't want to be spoiled, actually don't look at some of the screenshots. Um, that's exactly why I exclaimed. Um, but I would be great if it's on the PlayStation. I don't think it's there yet. Uh, this looks really cool. And also in the description, it says, um, a profound story of a small robot learning life, the universe, and Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams is my favorite. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's very much. A lot of those notes, a lot of those. Oh. Um, it's very existential. It's very about humanity. It's very about, like, just, you know, thought and love and, like, identity like you would never expect any of this shit it, it feels dumb that i'm saying this about this game but like that is totally what it is like that is its strength it is not actually a 2d platformer it is a narrative game that gets you to question the nature of humanity and it just happens to have some 2d platforming in it which is love weird it. go for it i love, love this it. game it's great it's great oh by the okay. way the, the developers are literally two guys paul hellman uh sean scapelhorn and 505 uh put it out so there's a right. shout out there you go. That is Horace playing on Switch. It's great on Switch, by the way. It's wonderful on Switch. Uh, Carlos, back to you, sir. Let's talk about a little game called Cloudpunk. This one was a long time coming. I heard about it for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if it got held up in development or what happened, but it finally arrived. I've played it, but I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Tell us all about Cloudpunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cloudpunk. <laughs> uh, it is... Oh, yeah. Oh, that oh, yeah, game. That one. Yeah. Oh, I have like a list of like 18 games. <laughs> um, so Cloudpunk is great. It's an indie game that's like a cyberpunk game, and it is a noir story. Essentially, it's kind of a story adventure game. You're not really doing a lot of like action. You're not shooting. It's not cyberpunk in the way that you're going to play cyberpunk, where you're worrying about shooting and melee and all this other stuff. It is a simple, uh, pixely or voxely, voxel voxely, look. Voxely, yeah, yeah. voxely. Uh, voxel look, but it's also 3D, so it's not just 2D. It's a 3D world. You um, are a courier, and you deliver packages, and your uh, whole game is essentially just delivering packages, really, but you're being told a story along the same time, and you do have uh, the option to go first person or third person, and I, at some point, I found first person and was like, yeah, I'm not, I can't go back. I have to play uh, as first person. I think it fits really well with the story. You really get to get immersed in this world. And speaking of world, how the fuck did they make this game? This is beautiful. Are you on PC, by the way? No, PS4 again. Okay. PS4 Pro uh, looks beautiful. Again, simple graphics, but the way they did it, the lighting on the neon, the rain, because it's a rainy, you know, it's always rainy, I think, in the game. And the clouds and the different buildings and stores, they're all really simple um you know it's not like in super in, intense graphics but it doesn't need to be and it still looks beautiful i mean like fucking beautiful um again you play a courier you're going through the story trying to deliver packages you are confused about what these packages are sometimes it's a funny story for the package sometimes it's a terrible story and you're trying to figure out like one example i can give you is there was a package we got and it was ticking and I was like, well, that can't be good. Um, and then we were trying to decide if we should open it and see if it's a bomb and or we don't open it and we just kind of do our job so we don't get in trouble. So I didn't open it. And then later we heard an explosion and we're like, oh, was that us? Like, did we 
who did we kill? Like, what happened? What did we just do? Um, so a lot of things like that. The other really big part of the story is you have an AI and you actually meet other AIs and your main AI is a dog. I guess a dog that the main character used to have, but now it's just kind of downloaded as an AI in your car. And so you talk to the AI all the time and it's a dog and it really tries to figure out like almost like going back to the game you just talked about the dog ai is trying to figure out what we're doing and what it means to be human and you know which people are good and which people are bad and he's he's funny because he doesn't really mean to be but the things he says are ridiculous um at some point there was another package that was also an ai <laughs> and so they started talking to each other this game is great it's so simple and fun and relaxing and it's uh, perfect segue for cyberpunk that's coming out 2077 because it is that type of world but it is none of the action or you know twitch shooting or any of that stuff it's just kind of living in a cyberpunk world and you're this little courier um, and and that's kind of it and also what's really fascinating is that when you get into your vehicle to go get a package or deliver a package it's you know third person you look at your vehicle and you actually have uh, verticality, which means you're driving in that, you know, Back to the Future 2. Yeah, and you're flying. I mean, that's really the big hook. Is you're, yeah, you're like a flying car. You're flying the, this driving car, flying driving car, and you're going up and down through traffic. And if you've ever wondered what it means to be like in Blade Runner or um, Fifth Element, you know, this is it. Like, you actually can drive up and down and go throughout this whole city and there's actually like highway sections so when you get into the highway section your vehicle goes faster and then you're kind of like it's like you know guarded off as this is the part that's the highway but you can even go up and down in that so it's just really fun to drive around this world um and i really like this game cool cool i am going to be the complete opposite and i thought this game was incredibly boring and i really didn't like it um as far as graphics go i think the graphic style is strong like it's dark there's neon it's got the blade runner thing going that's cool but i think the performance i played on a regular ps4 not a ps4 pro i thought the performance was pretty miserable i got a lot of frame rate problems the pop-in was really bad the draw distance was really bad um i don't know what it looks like on a pro uh and i'm sure it's much better on pc but i thought the performance was pretty shameful especially for something like that is really as simple and voxely as this is i'm like i I had a, a struggle with that. Like, I just, it doesn't look very good to well, play. Well, let me, let me just answer you that there was sure. zero problems on mine. Yeah, the, the draw distance, by the way, is uh, by design not super far. Like, that's just what they're doing, I think, is already pretty amazing. But no, 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 there was like, there was no hiccups on my pro. So maybe mm. it's a PS4, PS4 Pro. It could, thing. yeah, it could maybe, the, it's just not op optimized for a base PS4, which is what I have. But man, I was like, this is for a game that is as, as low low tech as this one is i would expect it to be butter smooth and it just it just wasn't like it didn't run very well yeah um so that was just a, from the get-go a problem uh but other than that like i just you're like you said you're being a courier and like that's all you're really doing like you're you're picking up a package driving to a place usually have to get out of your car and walk a little bit drop off a package pick up another package come back like that's all you do so far and i'm like dude this is boring like you it's just it's really boring like i i, I get that it's chill and maybe some people like that. You like it, obviously. That's cool. But for me, I need a little bit more immersion. Like there was no, just like nothing going on. And when you're doing that, people are talking in your ear. 
I didn't like the writing very much. I felt like the writing wasn't very strong. And it's basically driving from one place to another while somebody talks in your ear about a story. And you don't even really have any choices. I mean, I didn't play that far in the story, granted. So I admit that. But like the part that I saw, there was no dialogue choices. And the only choice I really had was to either deliver a package to one place or another. And then I, I assume that would like fork the story a certain way. But like otherwise... You're just hearing people talk in your ear the whole time. So, you know, if you're like one of those people like me who doesn't like to hear a bunch of like pre-recorded dialogue while you're going from point A to point B, that's like that's like all this game is, at least the parts that I saw. And I was like, okay, I'm not I'm not here for this. This feels like a complete waste of my time. It doesn't run well, it doesn't look good, and I'm not really doing anything except for going from point A to point B and traversal, not one of my things that I think is fun. I don't enjoy that. So, if it looked amazing, maybe I would have hung in there a little bit longer, but it didn't look amazing from a technical sense. Design sense, yes. Technical sense, no. And just, there just wasn't enough to do. Like, I just, I wasn't interested in the story, not interested in the characters. I don't want to just, like, drive around while people are talking to my ears. So I, I, I bowed out of this pretty quick. I did not find it very entertaining at all. Rebuttal. Rebuttal. <laughs> um, so I think that, one, decisions do have an impact on the story, and there's actually, like, a longer thing there with um, different characters. So I think if you uh, give it some time, there's you know decisions do actually make a difference. It's not. But just... did you have it like a dialogue choice, or was it? Just yeah, there's choices. Action? Yeah, there's okay. more choices All later. Right. Okay, that's um, good. Yeah, there's definitely more choices. I will agree with you that the the writing's a little weird. I think it might be an English thing. Um, it seems like it's to me. It just felt like it wasn't like English first. You know, maybe when it comes to writing, and I should do the research there. If it is, and I apologize for saying that, but um, yeah, the writing had some issues, but I also did like the comedy out of it. Like for me, just riding around and like listening to my dog AI talk to me was actually fun. Um, and back to your earlier point, yeah, I once I got into this game and realized what it was, I that's kind of all I wanted out of it. I didn't want right, to right. like oh, I've finished the game or I've beaten the boss or whatever. I was like, I just wanted to live in a rainy, futuristic world for a little while while I'm waiting for Cyberpunk 2077 and just drive around and that's it. Like, I, that's kind of all I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And so because the lighting was so cool and my PS4 Pro did handle it fine, uh, I just thought it was such an interesting look. Like that game that's going to come out that I feel like will never come out, that's got that uh, also pixel look and is also kind of like night and raining all the time i always forget what it's called the, i, I guess okay there's some guy who made it is like a douchebag and everybody hates him oh and uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's also like a flying car game and a in a blade runner thing and the guy blade runner being, thing yeah, yeah, yeah being an asshole and so the game all of a sudden like stopped like people stopped well i forget i know what you're talking about I know what yeah yeah about. but that's my point is it was just, it's just this really interesting technically weird like i don't know how they pulled this off uh, for me i think it's impressive because again, it's using very limited things, but the limited things like feel more than they are, right? Like the sum is more than the parts, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, also, you do get an apartment at some point. And yeah, so- Yeah, I got to that part. Yeah, and you can part. like buy things for it. And so when I bought a video game system for my apartment, I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, now they're gonna let me play like Pong or something, right? But no, you can't play the game. And I was like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean, so, it just this to me felt like a cool idea but like you could like get the gist of the entire game in like 15 minutes or something or like looking at a screenshot i think is just as good as playing the game because you see the image and like that's the cool part of the game is like the lighting and this the, the skyline but yeah. like there's not really anything to do i know we're going to be on different sides of the fence on this one that's fine we don't have to agree but like for me it did not have nearly enough stuff to do 
I didn't really get involved with the story or the writing. I didn't, I just, it looks cool. And then that's it. So not enough for me. Yeah, I would say that um, we can agree to disagree, but also if someone's thinking about it, um, if you want a meditative experience, that's what I sure. call it. Sure, that's a good way to that's, describe it. That's really all I felt like. I was talking sure. to an AI, sure. and I got to see AI say some funny, weird things that an AI would say. And again, AIs meet other AIs in this game, and you also meet other androids. So it does open up, and there's like more really funny, interesting things that happen with the characters. So... That's all I did. I just I just want to drive around in my flying car and and also let's give it some points for having a game where you can actually have verticality like that in a flying car because I don't know many that do that. I mean, definitely points for flying car. I will absolutely give it those points. And I agree with you. I think meditative is a great way to describe this experience. That is not my jam. I get that it's your jam. I'm sure a lot of people would would enjoy something chill, something laid back, something low pressure, given what's going on in the world today. So I think it fits that niche. Very well. For me, not so much, but I can understand why people would like it. But yeah, meditative and Blade Runner-ish. There you go. Yeah. That is Cloud Punk. We're going to move on. Still still with you here, Carlos. Something, I'm guessing, significantly less chill. A little game called Amnesia Rebirth. This is the sequel to Amnesia The Dark Descent, which came out from Frictional Games a couple of years ago. That was a pretty well-known game at the Game Critics website because it drove many of our writers to drink. I remember being on the <laughs> podcast with Richard Nyack, our uh, chief technical officer, and he said he literally could not play that game unless he had a couple of glasses of wine first because his nerves were just so frayed by it. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to play Amnesia. I never got around to it, but I heard a million people talk about it, and now this is the long-awaited sequel. Um, it's probably way too scary for me, but you're a brave guy. You're playing Amnesia Rebirth right now. Uh, I mean, I obviously don't spoil it, but tell us all about it. It's a, one of my creepy video games of October, which I've only done one other one of. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're at least continuing the trend. You got two in a row. Wait, we'll do one more episode before Halloween. So I'll, I'll do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You'll have time. Uh, yeah. So I, I played the first one, I think, a little bit. I mainly watch people play Amnesia because it's more fun because they're screaming all the time. And uh, I talked about this with my buddy Steve Haskey, friend of the show. Good old Steve. Uh, we were talking about, this is how it came up, actually. We were talking about Resident Evil 7 and how I wanted to go back and play that because I never finished it because of some fucking bullshit boss battle. And he said that you could, like, knock it down to easy and you could get past that and you should because the ending's really good. So I'm actually doing that. Are you playing Resident Evil 7 right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm going back to it to to see what it was, you know, what all the hubbub All right, we'll save that for next episode. That seems like something we should talk about. That's a Halloween-y game. Halloween-y game. so then what I thought to, to, I'm already in there, right? I'm already in the scare scare moment. Let's just throw on Amnesia because it just came out. So that's how that got started. Um, And again, watch Amnesia, watch people scream at it. But me, Steve Haskey, I'm guessing not you. Uh, aren't afraid of these games <laughs> because me and him can just handle them. And it's like, we kind of more see like the twisted nature of it or try to like, look at the interesting worlds that, you know, scary games can build, but I don't get like scare in that way. And I'm not, this is not even any, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying. You're uh, humble bragging, Carlos. This is I, a humble brag. I guess I am. <laughs> okay. I'm humble bragging that. Listen, bro. I ain't bro, scared no game. I ain't scared. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Carlos. Carlos, he will play your scary game and he will not be scared. Oh, man. I just blew out the mic by yelling Carlos, my own name. Um, so here's the deal. Um, amnesia, Rebirth. I got, I, got, I got news for you people who are scared of games. 
or scary games. Don't get scared because this game ain't scary, yo. It's not, it's not scary. So okay, so like let's let's walk it back a little bit. I mean, I, original, I, I was gonna tell you what the game is, but yeah. Well, let me let me throw up a comparison and then you can come in here. So okay. the original Amnesia, that was one of the very first games which came up with the, I mean, disempowerment or avoidance, like one of the games where you couldn't fight the enemy, like you had to just run away and you had to not look at it. That was like one of the big hooks to the original Amnesia. So I guess my question to you, do they continue that or is this is this still a disempowerment runaway hide game or you know without without spoilers like mechanically is it in that same vein or what do they do with it well first off some of the first games i know steve would get mad at me if i didn't mention this like clock tower back on like playstation one clock tower love clock nintendo scary games there was games that did this kind of you know uh you're you don't have any powers you're don't have any weapons you're like screwed sure haunting ground even maybe yes they've done it before so this continued that yes but um this particular game rebirth is more of a story game i have been calling it tomb raider mixed with hellblade mixed with i guess kind of a scary game but it's really more about a story and the story is about this woman named tasi and that's who you play and she goes on an expedition uh for reasons they don't really get into it. Okay. And you're like, a, are you talking about to like jungle or something or where is she going? Well, they don't really go into that either. You're on okay. a plane okay. in the beginning of the game and you're with the, the guy you love and you're talking about how, you know, future plans and uh, they don't really talk about what the ex- expedition is, but the plane goes down and then you wake up. No one's there. You've got to figure out what happened. You're in like a desert, but then there's also like um, caverns and stuff. And you're like, what is happening? And there's of course all these like, pieces of paper all over the place telling you little messages and it's kind of a mystery game you know it's a kind of a mystery game and the other kind of supernatural element is you kind of lose it a little bit and you can't handle things like when the we can all we can all uh be with her on this when the world's too tough (laughs) or when things get too stressful she kind of like has these either hairs or tentacles kind of go in front of her vision yeah which is a i mean creepy. sure I, I feel that yeah I'm, you know we've all been absolutely. there we've all been there <clears throat> but we've all been over the part where the stress is too much right that's what i'm getting at sure and sure. so in the beginning they show that that's kind of a element of this game if if she gets too stressed out then something's gonna happen where like something kind of creepy happens and you've got to like you know calm down so that's why it really does feel like hellblade this game is more of a emotional roller coaster and once you kind of calm down you go out of the plane then you're trying to figure out what happened at some point you're going to obviously go into a darkened area and you get to these caves and this is all at the very beginning of the game and you realize that the game is really going to be around light and dark so you're going to have to find light sources so because you're going to be in the dark a lot and that's the scary element where Things could kind of be in the distance. You you hear a lot of sounds, just like Hellblade, uh, send you a sacrifice. You hear a lot of sounds from the side and left and the top. And you're like, where's that coming from? And that might creep some players out. For me, I was just like really enamored with it. I was like, this is really cool. This is really immersive. Um, and then some things are like hallucinations or some things are real. And if it gets too dark and you haven't you know, found the right lights, you use a match or you're trying to like light a torch if you didn't do that and your matches all go out and you're in the dark for too long you start getting flashes of really scary things and that might scare some people but it really is just like disorienting 
and then you'll wake up somewhere else and you gotta like is it really is it really jump scary in that way is this uh, is this game based on jump scares no i don't think so that's why i came in with it like i think this is a tomb raider game (laughs) it's like uh it's like it and you also have a um a thing on your wrist that is kind of like um, a compassy thing and it shows where supernatural stuff is happening so you kind of look at that a lot and it really feels like a puzzly uh exploration game that is heavily about the story about this woman her lost love and this is very the beginning of the game a baby there's a lot of talk about a baby and you are trying to piece together what happened there's games that are like this that i can't put my finger on where like there's a person and she's probably in a very, very far future. And she probably thinks something's like the present, but it's really the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get you. I get you. Like, like, uh, like a Twilight Zone episode or something. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So it feels like that. The whole game feels like that. Kind of dreamlike maybe. Yeah. It's just a really weird and kind of well, like super well done when it comes to the visuals um, world that you're exploring. That's takes place mostly in caverns. But then without saying a spoiler, there's definitely like another reality that you pop into. Uh, remember in Silent Hill when there's like that second reality? Sure, sure. When the siren goes off? It feels like that where you're like something can happen, especially when you like are in the dark for too long. Then you go to these other places. And so far, I don't feel scared at all. I can handle these types of games, but I don't think it's that type of game. It feels like a narrative game. And it seems like a really interesting story, and I don't—I was not expecting that. So, a couple questions for you. Yeah, a couple questions ahead. here. So, number one, I'm—I'm um, I'm assuming since you keep referring to it as a narrative game, that there is uh, no combat. Yeah, the only thing I've done so far is run from things. Yeah, no, you—you th- can throw things. So, amnesia has always done that, where you can like pick up almost any object and like throw it and stuff. So. But for most of the time, I was doing that for comedic value. <laughs> I would just find like nice plates and smash them. Um, but yeah, in general, I don't. I don't think I've fought in anything yet. I've I've run from things. Okay. Second question. Uh, so one thing that for me personally doesn't generally work as a story conveyance, except if it's used in very small instances, is like notebook pages or finding a journal or finding a file or something so is this the kind of game where you're finding like uh, a post-it and a piece of paper and you got to read that thing like every five steps or is there more of like an environmental storytelling are there cutscenes? like how are they getting the story across to you i assume that you're probably alone most horror games don't have you with anybody because being alone is part of the fear uh and i'm just making that assumption here but is it like are you reading like a bunch of text every five seconds? Like, what is? How are they getting the story to you? Yeah, you might hate this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a lot of fucking reading, and so here's a pro and a con. Uh, well, the con is there's a lot of reading and there's too much reading. There's too many notes, and it doesn't make sense, and it takes me out of it. Remember we talked about what's okay? Because I was gonna say, does it make sense? Like, does it make sense that you would find these notes, uh, or is it like? I mean, I don't go through my day with post-its in my pocket and I write down my thoughts and then I leave that post-it where I am at that moment and then keep going like that. Nobody does that, right? It's stupid that you find notes like that. So is that what this is? Yes. But then ah! the, wait, 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 the, the, the pro is it also does narrative storytelling with cutscenes and environment. So it does both and how that I do want to finish it. Cause now I'm interested in the story. Okay. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to skip a lot of the reading because when I skipped reading recently, um, it didn't fucking matter, yo. 
because I got to a place and there was a super long cutscene, and then I went to a really like supernatural reality and it was really cool to be there and I understood the mechanics of the game and I could you know it was more about like the puzzle like where do I go and how do I beat this section and it wasn't about the fucking messages anyhow so I think I'm going to try to beat it and just read very little because there's too much reading and that's my con um but the pro is you know they really do tell a lot in the storytelling as well and um yeah, I don't know what to think about this game. It, See, that's that's a thing for me, right? Because like, like finding like one journal over the course of a game, that's fine. Like, you know, that's limited, you know, limited use. It makes sense when you find it. Um, you know, like very specific instances of like, if this really would make sense that somebody would have left a note here, that's fine. But if that's like your main element of telling your story, then that doesn't work for me. And I guess I, you kind of already answered this, but my question was going to be, if I skipped all the notes, which I usually do, in a game like this where they just really use the notes as a crutch. If I skipped those notes, would the game still make sense? And you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think a lot of those notes go into cutscenes. Oh, no, what it is. Here's what it is. There's, it, there's pictures. There's a lot of pictures too, which again, doesn't bode well for you liking this game it, where you pick up the picture and then you get the cutscene because you looked at the picture, you know, as okay, you do in real you. life. When as you, look, you do. You're like, oh, picture of me. <laughs> Have a little the- mini flashback, or yeah. I guess a stroke, perhaps, as the case may be. Yeah. So I think, in general, um, this game confused me because this might be the 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 kind of theme for this episode. Uh, games that have confused us either in a good or bad way. With Horace, it was a good confusion. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was expecting screams of terror, and I was expecting jump scares, and and now full disclosure, I haven't finish this game and i'm only a, i don't know let's see one two three four hours in something like that okay three, three hours four so maybe there's like monsters i have to fight later on or more jump scares but to me it sounds like the jump scares are in these if you let yourself go in the dark for too long you'll start losing your mind a little bit anxiety or something and other reality stuff pops in and they kind of flash things at you but they're not traditional jump scares um gotcha. remember that gotcha. one 2d game or well, it was a 3d game but it was 2d art and it was just jump scares and it was a dungeon crawler oh there's been many of those dude yeah they are okay they're all but terrible. yeah they're terrible but they at least they did actually shock me <laughs> they're like that was oh fuck a pumpkin you know it's just like a picture of a flower what but it like did it you know where it, it knew how to jump out and hit you so i have had none of these in this game, which is crazy okay. for me because I okay. thought this is what this is gonna, game is going to be. It's more of a Hellblade game. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, good. Well, let's check back. This probably is not going to be my jam. I don't like scary games in general. I really don't like games that use text and notes as the this, main conveyance of story. Yeah. So maybe not my jam. Don't play uh, this. But I, okay. I want to see the ending because some of the worlds, I will say, the last pro is some of the worlds they build in this other reality, fucking cool as shit. You know, like really, really cool looking. Um, and, and I don't understand them. And they feel like Silent Hill. You know, when you go to another place, you know, like, why am sure. I here? Yeah. Um, so probably no explanation. But they're really cool. And it's I, I just want to skip the notes and go, I just want to see what the next scene is. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's a real test for me is if I skip all the notes, does your game still make sense? If it doesn't make sense, 
then I think you've got a problem. But that's just me. I know some people disagree, but that is my particular take. All right. That is Amnesia Rebirth. couple more games, and then we are out for this episode. Um, continuing your thread, Carlos, of the Halloween-themed games, although I don't play a lot of scary stuff, I did want to participate. So I played a third-person hack-and-slash action platformer called Pumpkin Jack. This is, I believe it's out now. Uh, so it's fortuitous that we're talking about it before Halloween in case anybody wants to get some Halloween action in. This is exactly the kind of like, you know, hop and bop, like, you know, Wait, kind of, uh, I got to stop you. No one says hop and bop. Nope. I say, I, say nope. I just said it. I nope. just said it. It's like nope. a hop and bop. I'm it's like a hack and slash. Nope. Nope. Um, a lot of platforms to jump. This, this kind of game would have absolutely been right at home, like in the PS2 era or the N64 era where you've got like this character in this particular case, you play Pumpkin Jack, who is a demon from hell doing Satan's bidding. And he's been put inside a scarecrow body with a pumpkin on top to wreak havoc in this world. Uh, but it is super not that dark or scary at all. That's just like the opening premise. Um, and you just you you run and you jump. Um, you whack things with your shovel. You do a lot of platform jumping. You collect items that are in the world. A lot of collection going on. I mean, it is, it's basically just like, if you remember what third-person action platformers were like 15 years ago or 10 years ago, like that's exactly what this game feels like. Um, this could have easily been on the N64. This could have easily been on PS2 and nobody would have blinked twice at it. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's what it is. Like, if you want that kind of old-school design where you're just taking this character and you're jumping platforms and you're whacking crows and you're picking up items then and pushing boxes. You're pushing boxes and you're breaking barrels. That is totally what this game is. That is exactly what it is. It is no more and it is no less. And it is Halloween themed just in time for October 31st. So that is Pumpkin Jack. I don't think I have literally anything else to say about it. Yeah, it seems like an old school game like a Jackson Daxter. Um Crash Bandicoot, or not, I guess not Crash Bandicoot, but any of those ones that are like third person, collect things. Exactly. Kill, kill collect things. some stuff, kill things, jump a lot of platforms. That's, that is it, man. That is totally it. And it's got a nice little Halloween skin on top. So, you know, uh, if you like, if you like those kind of games, we don't really get a lot of those these days. I mean, yeah. they're kind of a, a rare animal in modern times. So if you want a little bit of that throwback flavor, this is your jam. A banjo kazooie, if you will. Totally, totally, absolutely. Um, by the way, we could we could call it a hop and bop for Halloween, because you know everybody. I'm not letting that go. Hop and bop Halloween time. Hop and bop Halloween. Get your pumpkin jack. Get pumpkin jack on. Uh, one last game to talk about, and then we are out. I'm going to talk about a 2D pixel-based fast action game called scourge bringer uh it's on the switch it's on pc i think it's on everything right now ps4 xbox as well have you heard of scourge bringer or have you played it i'm googling it google it now <laughs> this is a game i hadn't really heard anything about i mean i think i i must have saw a youtube trailer like last year or something none of it, none about it stood out in my mind it was just you know it's kind of a generic sort of a name um, looking at it, I mean, it looks, the uh, pixel art is pretty good, but it, you know, there's a lot of pixel games these days. It didn't really stand out. Uh, but PR sent me a code to try to talk about on the, on this podcast. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. Uh, I will say this is one of those games where like you look at it in a trailer and you're like, okay, that seems pretty cool. But when you actually play it, you're like, oh shit, this feels 
amazing because it's all about how it feels. Um, in this game, you play a girl, but her her character sprite is really, really small. Um, each level in this game is exactly the size of one screen. And so when you jump in this level, you're fairly small and you've got like a lot of hair and it almost kind of looks like you're like a fuzzball or something. I don't know that I necessarily love how the character looks uh, because I think she could be a little bit more distinct. But the beauty of this game is that the controls are so polished and absolutely spot on. It feels like I'm controlling her with my mind, right? It's like I look at this room and I'm like, I want to jump on this wall. I'm going to hop over here. I want to hit this guy before I land. I'm going to do a dash in the air and then I'm going to get this thing. And I just do it like it just happens. Mm. And I'm like, man, I didn't even have to think about that. Like, I didn't even have to, like, work at it because everything is mapped out brilliantly and the controls are so fucking tight. Um, the weight of the game feels correct. The animation of the game feels correct. The speed of the game is fast. Uh, but it's so well polished that you just jump into it. It's like your hands already know what they're doing before you even have to even think about it. And so even though, like, a lot of combat happens, like you're jumping, a lot of platforming, a lot of, like, air combos, a lot of dashing... Uh, a lot of bullet dodging. Uh, it just it just happens so smoothly and so quickly. Like you can't even really you can't get what's good about this game until you actually physically play it because it is so smooth, so tight, so tuned. It's beautiful to play. Can and, I jump I mean, in real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but just by looking at it and the what you just said, I'm getting N plus vibes. A lot of N plus vibes. Um, the fact that, like you said, you just know, oh, I just jump here and I do this and the physics work. and It all just comes together like so magically, dude. And the thing that makes this game really brilliant, I mean, it's a roguelike. So there's a story. They establish why you get resurrected every time you die. They establish what's going on in the world. I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, there's a skill tree, which offers permanent progression. So if you kill larger enemies, you get a certain type of resource. You bring that back after you die. You can invest that in different abilities. And some of the abilities are pretty significant. So you're pretty weak at the beginning, as to be expected. But pretty soon, you've got a lot more options at your disposal, which is great. It feels like you're making progress. feels like you're getting stronger. feels like you're getting further every run. That's exactly what I like to see in a roguelike. So that's really smart design. But the most brilliant thing about Scourgebringer, in terms of a playable aspect, is there's a whole suite of options that let you customize ex this experience to exactly what you want. So, for example, if you play this game on the stock settings, it is blindingly fast it's really deadly you're gonna die like in five seconds like it's it's tough if you are like one of those get good players if you're like uh, an amazing twitch player this is the game for you but not everybody's like that right and so the developer of this game said you know i want more people to play this game so what you can do is you go in the options you can turn the bullet speed down there's a lot of bullets that you're dodging or reflecting you can uh, have those go full speed. You can go half speed. You can go super slow speed, 25% speed. You can adjust the speed of the bullets. If that's not enough, you can actually adjust the speed of the entire game. You feel like the game is going too fast. You feel like it's too much to take in. It's hard to manage all the enemies and bounce off the walls and do the dashing. No problem. Turn the fucking game down to half speed. Whole thing runs 50% slower. It's amazing. Mm. You can also, um, if you don't want to give yourself tendinitis by mashing the attack button all the time, you can change an option to just hold the attack button down and your person slashes their sword like crazy. Like if you feel like you're dying too much, you're not getting enough life, you can turn on more health drops. You can have less health drops. You can turn on fucking invincibility if you want to. Like, like I appreciate that these options are here because not everybody is the same and not everybody enjoys their games in the same way. So for me, I turned the bullets down to 50% because I felt like the bullets were a little bit out of control. Uh, game is running at full speed, but the bullets are slower. And I turned in uh, more health drops, not infinite, not uh, not invincibility, 
but I felt like the game was a little bit too stingy with the health drops. And I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm struggling a little bit too much here. Uh, so I put on more health drops and it's not crazy, but like you feel like you've got enough of a chance. And so that for me was the sweet spot. And I feel like it plays really, really well in that zone. But if you want it harder, you can make it harder. You want it easier, you can make it easier. You can make yourself, you know, basically turn on God mode if you want to and just enjoy the graphics, just enjoy the systems, just enjoy the gameplay. I think it's wonderful, dude. I love Scourgebringer. I didn't know anything about it. And now I think it's great. It's one of my favorite roguelikes of this year. I'm having a great time playing it. And I think that those options really make all the difference. I mean, so many options. Holy options, Batman. Um, Absolutely. Because, and that's like, you know, you have to be thinking about that from the from the get-go. You can't just like throw all those in at the end. So they must have like, you know, really wanted to make tailored, like you said, tailor made for each player and each type of player, which is really great. I'm still not going to play it, but <laughs> because it's a <laughs> roguelike and it's fast and it's a little twitchy. But I do like the fact that you can change the level of the twitch so you're not dying, like you said, in four seconds. Um, I'm seeing some of these bosses look like a little bullet spongy or not uh, bullet spongy, um, bullet heli. Yeah. Where yeah. like you're like, do- you have to dodge kind of like perfectly or whatever. But it also, yeah, it looks, uh, it looks pretty cool. Um, I think that's awesome. You did that with the options. It's really great. It's really great. Um, just one thing really quickly. One of the powers you can get, which is an optional power, is the power to reflect bullets. So yeah, a lot of those bosses, if you don't have the power, are definitely bullet heli. But if you get the ability that lets you reflect them, all of a sudden you can reflect like any bullet and like all their firepower is working for you instead of against you, which is a great turnaround. I love that. But yeah, the options are great. That's really what saves the game because if it was not as flexible as it is with the options, I don't think I would have liked it as much. I certainly would have died a lot more. I would have been more frustrated. And I just I just appreciate that they're not really being judgmental. You know, you don't have to play it their way or the highway. You can be like, I like your game. But it's too hard and they're like okay well let's make it easier for you we want you to enjoy our game absolutely i now enjoy your game mission accomplished right so like there's nothing wrong with that no guilt no shame i think it's a brilliant move it makes a great game already better and i love scourgebringer a lot if you want more roguelike action and to be fair there has been a lot of good roguelikes this year this has been the the year of the roguelike almost so scourgebringer um has other tough competition but it is definitely quality i would recommend it to anybody who wants butter smooth action Twitch action, some really great combat, a lot of uh, a lot of options. It's it's great. I, I think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful game. Looks cool for the people who like roguelikes. I All think right. you'll like it. That is not you, but for everybody out there nope. who likes roguelikes. All right, folks, that is it. That is this show. We covered a lot of games, covered a lot of stuff. Uh, we will be back soon. But before we go, as usual, we love to get your questions, comments, and we do want to hear more from you as people. Who are you? Who's listening to the show? Get in touch with us, as we as we mentioned in episode 200, um, as we got that email from Finder, as we get messages from other people. Hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter as a show, at so video games. But you can reach us individually. Carlos, where do you want people to track you down this week? Uh, this week and probably forever. YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Go over there. There's new videos every single week, if not every single day. I'm really like double and triple down on this content. So come over and say hi. Also do the same thing. Uh, leave a comment. Say what you like, what you don't like. YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Excellent. Excellent. As for me, same as always on Twitter, on Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And before we go, also um, listen after the credits. We will post a clip of me talking with my wife about a lady's perspective on love and monsters and what i thought of it as well i think you'll find it to be an enlightening discussion so uh we listened for that after the closing comments and other than that 
that is going to do it for episode 202 thank you again for joining us here on the so video games podcast and we will be back before you know it but in the meantime this is bye from brad and this is hop and bop bye from carlos All right, Carlos has left the studio, and we are here for a special bonus segment of the So Video Games Podcast, episode number 202, here in the Game Critics West studio. I am joined by probably the cutest girl I've ever seen, my wife, Gina Galloway. Welcome to the show, Gina. I'm sorry, probably? Let me re-record that. We'll fix that in post. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Thank you for being here, honey. Um, I know that it was a long trip to come downstairs. It, It was. It really was. But worth it, I'm sure. We are here today to talk about uh, the movie Love and Monsters, which we just watched last night on pay-per-view. Carlos and I discussed it briefly earlier in this episode, but we did not get into any spoilers or any real details other than the fact that we really liked it. So, um, folks, we're going to be talking about this movie um, in spoilerific detail. So please take this as your overt spoiler warning. Um, If you're planning to see Love and Monsters, and I do recommend it, uh, please pause the show, go watch the movie, come back and hear us talk about it. If you have already seen the movie or you don't care about spoilers, please uh, proceed to listen. So basically, this film is, uh, like we said earlier, post-apocalyptic. It's about a guy who lives in a bunker. He One of the men- things we didn't mention last time was that he um, has a girlfriend or a girlfriend that he knew before the apocalypse. They end up being in separate shelters, and they're like 85 miles apart. And unfortunately, the Earth is now populated with super deadly animals and so for him to make that 85 mile journey is you know basically certain death but through a series of events he ends up making the journey and that's really what the movie is all about so when i saw this trailer and you know let me know what you think gina um when i saw this trailer i thought it was going to be a pretty typical you know monsters adventure um guy is going to get the girl at the end and I, you know i was like okay that seems fine seems like kind of a fun family movie the trailer seemed kind of neat and stuff um but that's not really how it happened was that what you were expecting or what were you expecting yes i was expecting something similar that just kind of apocalypse type situation he's gonna go on this adventure to go find his girl and everybody lives happily ever after exactly like tolu was ready for that but this movie really threw that out the window in a number of ways that specific thing about having the girl as a prize at the end really got thrown out the window we can t- talk about that at first Um, So, like in most movies of this kind, uh, the guy will go on the adventure, he'll fight some monsters, he'll go through a series of, you know, uh, troublesome situations, he'll get to where he's going, the girl will be like, oh my god, I'm so glad you made it, they kiss, uh, you know, whatever, the end. But that's not really what happens. Um, He has this radio, so he talks to the girl, and they have this relationship over seven years of being in in separate bunkers, and one day he just realizes, you know, um, I'm just scared of going outside, I want to face the world i want to see this girl again and so he just decides to go and travel um most of the movie is about him making that overland journey you know monsters scary pretty cool adventure but when he gets there like what is the thing that really happens what happens um when he meets her um so one of the things that they set up in this is that he is not very capable he's probably the least capable in his colony group and so you know he does take this adventure and grows and blah 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 so he gets to this other colony where she is at and she's surprised to see him. I mean, she kind of like knew he was coming. They, I think, I think he mentioned it. He didn't tell her before he left, but after he left, midway, let him let her know that he was on the way. Yeah. So she was very surprised and she was like, wow, I'm, I can't believe that you made it. I can't believe that you made this effort to come here. 
But then she sits him down, not, I think, even 24 hours after he got there. And she was like, super sweet gesture. I'm so glad to see you because you're from this past life. And it's just kind of like, oh, this nostalgia. But she's like, I didn't really ask you to do this. I didn't ask you to come and I don't really have these feelings for you right now. Like I just, I don't even know who you are and you don't really know who I am anymore either. Yeah. That was really the thing that I thought was really amazing because at that moment when he arrives in the shelter and she is like shocked to see him, I mean, of course she thinks monsters have eaten him along the way, but he makes it. And then he's there. She's like, you know, yeah, we talked on the radio here and there and it was nice to have these memories of our relationship seven years ago, but life has moved on. And, and the thing that really, like, struck me, and also, I mean, obviously struck him at the same time, is when she's like, I didn't ask you to come here. And rather than him flipping out or whatever kind of random reaction any average movie would have had, he, like, takes a step back and he's like, fuck, you know, I actually didn't ask you if you wanted me to come out here. I didn't ask your permission. I just did it on my own. And in that moment, he kind of really takes accountability. Um, and I, I see that as kind of like an extension of, like, consent and how we view relationships these days where... We have a lot of toxic masculinity where people, like men specifically, of course, look at women as a thing or as an object or as a, a prize. Conquest. Conquest, yeah. And so I think in most movies, he would have been like, but I made it this way and now we're supposed to be together. And the girl might not even had to say or maybe the movie wouldn't have considered that. But in this particular movie, she is like really responsible. She's the one kind of keeping her own shelter together. Uh, she has a lot of uh, um, chores and stuff she has to do. She's keeping people alive. She's really, really busy. Uh, and so she's like, you know, actually, I, I didn't ask you to come here. You didn't ask me. This is not really what I want right now. And now that you're here, like, you know, it's cool. Like, we're still friends and we have these memories from the past. But, you know, I'm, I am I didn't want this. And and to the movie's credit and to his credit, he's like, fuck, you're right. You know, I, I didn't think about that. I didn't even ask you. It was bad of me to do this. I shouldn't have done this. And I should have asked your permission. And we should have talked about it. Which I think to me was like a huge, a huge left turn for what I expected. And also, what an amazing thing for a movie to say, right? Yeah, it was... The moment when they sit down and have the conversation, any any woman out there who has turned a man down knows like that that uncomfortable situation where you're like you're wanting to share with them that like, you know, I appreciate what you did, you know, like he made this romantic gesture, right? That she even I think references it that way where she's like that's it's so romantic that you did this thing that you you were just going to make this journey and come here, but I didn't ask for that. It, it, I can acknowledge that this is romantic, but I didn't want this. And you can tell she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. Right. She's trying to let him down easy. But it was really like this beautiful moment because she says this thing to him. And he just like, you can tell he's hurt. And he's like, oh, my God, this wasn't what Surprised I was expecting. And, yeah. But then he was just like, shit. Like, yeah. Like, I didn't even ask you if if you you know wanted me to do this or if you still had feelings for me or anything like that so it was it was just this really like genuine moment and it as a woman myself like you know people are always like why didn't you just tell them no and it's like there's several reasons why you don't just tell somebody no because that's not usually the way he reacted in that moment is not usually what you get very from strange yeah a, a man when you're turning them down not it's that either, i know but you've told me these stories yes. before <laughs> It's either, you know, you get this reaction of, but I did this grand gesture and you should, you should acknowledge that and you should be so thankful that I came all this way for you, even though I didn't ask you if you wanted me to. And you should give yourself to me and we should have sex now right. because I did this thing that you didn't ask for. Or what uh, the other thing that happens is, oh, okay, cool. Totally respect that you don't want this, but I'm going to win you over. 
And now I'm going to spend all this time proving that you should want me. And I 100% appreciate that the movie didn't go that way. Like he had this like, oh my God, yes, I'm going to help you with this situation that then occurs in the story. But then I'm just, I'm going to go. Like I'm going to go back to my family, my colony because they need me and you know this other situation arises and he's just like i i'm so glad that i got to see you and i'm so glad that i grew in this journey but like i'm gonna go and not in bitterness not in you know fuck you bitch i didn't want you anyway like he's just like i like this this was good this was all good and he moves on yeah it, it really didn't go toxic and not even like aggressively toxic or overtly toxic but like toxic toxic in the quiet ways like you described like like, I think most movies would have had him be like, okay, but I'm going to stick around and I'm going to do things for you and I'm going to win you over or or I'm going to make it I'm my gonna life. I'm going to wear you down. Yes, I'm going to wear you down. I'm going to make it my life's quest to convince you that you love me because that's what I want as a man. And, you know, when when they have this discussion, she's like, you know, I have all this responsibility. Like you being here kind of fucks up like what I'm doing. Like I'm trying to, to save these people who are in my colony. I've got this plan. We're going to be doing this other thing. And he to his credit in the movie's credit he just is like oh yeah okay like i realize i can't ask you to drop every single fucking thing in your life for me and i can't ask you to you know just throw your entire life out the window because i had a wild hair at my ass about coming out here because of something we had going seven years ago so he does he just he just takes it and accepts it and i think that is like the most amazing thing it seems like such a small gesture but compared to what we usually get in movies and compared to how we as like american society and male society treat that situation like it was really um really unusual and also really commendable like i think that is really the appropriate response to have to something like this and as we were watching the movie i was really glad we were watching it with my son because i felt like this is exactly how you should react like you know it's okay to have feelings for someone and you know ask them if they perhaps reciprocate those feelings but if they don't you just take no for a fucking answer and you move on like you don't wear that person down you don't work on them you don't like go on some quest to like win them over. Like you just accept their answer and you move the fuck on. There's other people out there and you know, you just respect what they have to say. Like she is a woman. She needs to be respected as a, as a human being and she's not a prize. And this movie really focused on that in a big way. Sorry. I keep touching your boobs. It's my mistake. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> We're standing very close together. We're on and a it's, podcast. I know, no I'm one sorry. actually needed to know that. That was, that so was my bad. Sorry. FYI. Uh, so I really appreciated that, that they did that. And it was, it was just so great to see a male character take responsibility for his own actions to not see the woman as a prize and to just kind of just fucking be okay with that and move on. Like that was so refreshing. I'm very curious if, if there was a conscious effort to avoid those tropes because there really wasn't that usual response, you know, when she was like, wow, this was a really amazing gesture, but no, like, I don't need this right now. I don't I don't even want this right now. And he was like, oh, cool. Okay, like, I get it. I'm hurt. Like, I have my feelings about it. But I, like, okay, like, I get it. And I'm still going to, you know, yeah. help you in this yeah. dire situation that pops up. But, like, and then I'm just going to go. I'm not going to hang out and do those things and, you know, try and yeah. wear you down or whatever. That's... But I'm, I'm very curious if that was a conscious effort on, on the writer's part it, or if, it just, you know, I mean, it seems like it's so intentional and so unusual. It must have been it must have been a point they were making. Uh, I, I would be very curious to hear about the writing process and to hear about like what their thoughts were uh, behind this movie, because not only is that aspect 
very unusual. There's also other unusual aspects of this movie. Uh, one part that I think is really uh, notable. I mean, it, so in the post-apocalypse, like it's it's a lush green world. Like nature's kind of reclaimed it. So it's very bright. It's very colorful. It's not very dark, but also along with that, it's a really like positive energy movie, which sounds strange. Um, you know, most po- post-apocalyptic movies are like dark, nihilistic, like, you know, you're you're constantly fighting off other survivors. And, you know, it's just like this hard scrabble, like struggle to survive. Everything's but, black and gray. Yeah, everything's always. black and gray ash <laughs> and everybody's dirty. But in this in this case, it was like the people in his original colony. They all like really got along like they cared for each other. They were working as a team. They supported each other. Same thing with um, the girls colony. Like, she was the center of that colony, and they were working together. Like, there was no, like, desperate, like, walking dead, like, darkness where every moment is, like, death hovering around and stuff. And it just was really, really positive and supportive. And it was great to see those moments. For example, when the guy is getting ready to leave his colony, I was totally waiting for a moment where, in any other typical movie, one of his co co uh, cohabitants or whatever would have, you know would have been like, no, no, don't go, and then punched him or tied him up or something to create, like, more of a physical struggle to show that he really needs to get on this journey. But they didn't do that. They're like, you know, you want to go on this journey? We think you're making maybe a mistake, but we're going to support you. We're going to give you a crossbow and some cans of beans, and we hope that you make it back alive, but we're not going to stop you. And it was weird to me that nobody physically stopped him because that's what, like, 99% of movies would have done, right? Yeah, it was, it was I think, a very... um. It, it was really like how a family would be, right? You know, like you... A respectful, supportive family. Sure, sure. You know, you look at your child and your child grows right in front of your eyes. And, you know, they get to a point where, like, they're not that little kid anymore. And they need to, like, go out on their own. And, you know, he... They reference in the movie that he was about 16 when this all hit. So he's now been in this bunker for seven years and so he's in his early 20s now, and he's he's struggling a lot. He hasn't really, like, stepped up when it comes to using weapons and, you know, really, like, asserting himself and getting out there and not being scared and that kind of stuff. And But they haven't really helped him hone that either. You know, they've kind of taken care of him, and they keep him protected, and, you know, they haven't really helped him to, like, get to that next level. He's been in a very comfortable niche and hasn't really grown out of it. and been protected, and I think they've been okay with that, you know? So, when he wants to go do this thing, they do argue with him, and they don't want him to go, and they basically are like, dude, you're going to totally die because you can't do this shit. But they do. Like, they're like, but we're, you know, we... You do what you want to do, you know, what you feel is right. And, you know, so he goes out and he is able to grow on this journey and kind of, you know, become this yeah. this better. Just the fact that they let him go was pretty mind blowing to me. That was very different than you would get from a normal post-apocalypse. I was movie. waiting. I was, I was waiting, waiting too. You know, they were like hugging him and like, yeah, like here's this and here's that. And I'm like, oh, who's going to bash like, him over the head? I was waiting for the old, <laughs> oh, I'm giving you a hug, but actually I handcuffed yeah. you to the radiator. Now you can't leave. But that didn't happen, you know. <laughs> and also when he gets out, he meets um, a couple of survivors. It's Michael Rooker and a cute little girl that he is with. Um, and you know they totally avoid the whole one person fucking over the other person like nobody nobody stole anybody's food in the middle of the night nobody threatened anybody they were just like oh I'm a human and you guys are humans and maybe we can work together for a little bit and they just like had this like like positive interaction where um, you know he learned a little bit about nature and he talked about how he did art you know they just like talked for a little bit and walked and like there was no backstabbing and no darkness to it and it was like really refreshing to see like that kind of interaction in the setting of a post-apocalypse which most movies never ever ever do but it also goes to show where neither one of those people like were really like 
the big dick alpha and I'm going to tell you how it is. And like they were, you know, they were supportive. Like they were like, Hey, we're, we're all struggling and we're just relating to each other as people. And like, it was on a level that I just, you just don't see that often. Yeah. I think that there was, there was that, that initial, you know, we, we talk often as parents that, you know, some parents treat their kids like you have to earn my respect. You have to earn it. And it's like, no, you need to give it. And then you, you know, a person can ruin that or can lose that. And I feel like that's kind of what happened when the three of them came together. Um, you know, that one dude and the little girl, you know, where they all kind of just, I mean, they, they knew this kid was flailing, right? They knew that he didn't know all the stuff that they knew, but they were, they're just like, here's the information here. This is what you need to know. This is, and he shared what he knew, right? He was keeping track of some of the information in his book and stuff like that. And so it was just really refreshing to just see them be like, we're just going to share this knowledge and it's not you're better than me or I'm better than you or, you know, nobody had to earn it. Nobody had to pay for it. It was just like, we're just going to do this because we're nice people. And I do have to say that like when they went parted ways and, you know, he and the girl went one way and the kid went, you know, to go find his, his love interest. I was like, I, I was very sad when they like parted ways. I was like, Oh, he's going to be by himself again. And they're going to like leave. And I was just like, Oh my God. And so, yeah. There's another aspect of the movie, uh, another scene that I thought was really touching. And I, you, I think you told me, uh, Gina, when you were doing some IMDb research that they were going to cut this particular scene. But I ended up thinking the scene was really strong. At some point, uh, the guy comes across these ruins and he finds uh, a robot uh, that has like a little bit of battery left. Like it's been dormant this whole time, but it senses a human nearby. And so it reactivates in his presence. And he sits and talks to this robot. And this robot is, has like these like massive data banks and it's able to pull up pictures of him from seven years ago and his family and it like has all like the Google information about him that you would have. Uh, Cause apparently I guess, you know, it was like, you know, harvesting stuff off of Facebook or something. And as he, you do, as you do. And he just like that moment just really shows him as a person where he is a man and he is on this adventure, but it's like this quiet moment where he just like thinks about his life and like how he got there and what he thinks of himself and like his self esteem. And it's a really like quiet vulnerable moment and at one point the robot even like uh shows us a picture of his mom on the screen and so it's it's almost kind of like he's like sitting with a proxy of his mom and he kind of just like crumbles a little bit but then he builds himself back up and you don't really see yeah a little bit of closure a little bit but he just kind of like reconstitutes himself in a way that you don't often see male leads in a movie do where he seems like he's just like you know i'm a guy but i'm not like an action hero and i'm not i don't have all the answers and i don't even know what I'm even doing here. Maybe this is all a mistake. And he just goes like the kind of soul searching that I guess I just don't see very much in a movie of this kind. And I found it really refreshing because, you know, in, in real life, I've, I notice a lot of men have trouble getting in touch with their feelings. Men don't want to cry. Men don't, you know, have a lot of really meaningful social interactions if it's not talking about sports or about cars or something. And, you know, it's 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 sucks because men are people too and they need to have those relationships and they need to talk about emotions. And we just don't really have any examples. We don't have any spaces where it's okay to talk about that without fear of being humiliated or ridiculed or seen as weak or seen as weak. Exactly. And so in this particular scene, when he's just sitting there with his robot on a, on a, on a chair in this ruined motel, he's just like, he's just open and he's just okay to feel those things. And no one's making fun of him. And he's just, he's just sitting with it. And I thought that was really like really quietly significant, especially as a man. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty in touch with my feelings. Would you say that's true? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe um, more than I am. <laughs> but I just, it was nice to see where a guy is on screen and being like, it's okay to feel feelings. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to even cry a little bit. And it doesn't make me less of a man. It doesn't make me, 
you know, weak. It doesn't make me um, the vulnerable one in a group. Like it's just, it was great to just see a, a side of a, a male human being where it was, you know, it was more than just being tough machismo. Yes, I agree. I, I really enjoyed that, that scene as well. It wasn't even a huge scene. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't this huge chunk. There wasn't a whole lot to it. He met this Mavis robot and had like, what, 15 minutes with her or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she had like, like 15 she, minutes of battery yeah. left over. <laughs> so, and that was all the time that he had with her. And he just, you know, they were able to just kind of talk and he, you know, just kind of bonded with her. And it, and it was because he was able to just kind of talk about himself and talk through some of the stuff that he was <clears throat> dealing with. And it was just a really poignant moment and i really enjoyed that in the movie so it was yeah it was really nice i i love that movie. i'm glad they didn't cut that scene that movie i mean it, it still would have been a good movie but i think that movie is much stronger for having it seen i'm really glad they kept it um, yeah i can i can see how they might have thought that maybe it was like this random thing because that mavis robot like they didn't talk a lot about that uh technology or why that was a thing really and then it because they mention it once at the very beginning yeah. and then he happens to come across this robot and it just I'm sure it's a scene that they probably could have felt like, oh, we could just throw this away or yeah. cut it out or something like that. But it really is like this this character piece, this growth on his side that I think is just as important as him learning to shoot a crossbow. And surviving the monsters. And yeah, and surviving stuff, yeah. the monsters. Like it was, and I think honestly it lends itself to that moment when he is talking with her and he's like... With the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, oh, like, you're right. Like... I didn't even talk to you about this or see if you were in a place that I should make this journey and you like know, maybe do him that talking stuff. to the robot and having those realizations opens his eyes to the fact that this girl who he has really only known briefly and kind of sees as like an object has her own thoughts and realizations and emotions like him being able to recognize that himself maybe he mirrors that in her and that what is what gives him the you know the grace and the understanding to to not take the typical male approach to it yeah. um the other uh we're almost at the end of our chat here but i think the other thing that's really worth mentioning about this movie is it's so positive like it's for a post-apocalyptic movie it is like wildly positive i mean the, the interactions with people are all really positive there are some bad guys in the movie and although they do some dirty stuff, like it's not anywhere near like as gross or as weird or as, you know, nasty as they usually are in these kind of movies. I mean, even that was pretty, pretty light, uh, which I appreciated. And at, at the end, you know, he they don't get together. Right. And I think that's really significant. Like they don't they have a moment where she's like appreciative and they're friends, but she's not ready for a relationship and he accepts it, you know, graciously and without bitterness and without revenge or anything. He's just like, OK, cool. Like, I get that you're not ready for this. That's fine. And he moves on. They go their separate ways, which I think is great. I would have been really bummed if they ended up together because I think that would have undercut some of the messages of the movie. Yeah. But beyond that, I think the movie actually kind of refocuses where you think it's going to be about this quest about him finding this girl. But really, it's about him getting confidence, about being okay with himself, about who he really is. And when he decides to share that message over the radio with the other survivors that are scattered throughout the world, they kind of take hope where this guy, like, finds you know, a refocusing. And so this is um, a little bit of a pivot because I think that with the monsters in that movie, maybe this would have landed, it definitely would have landed differently last year. But now that we're in the middle of COVID, I feel like we can all really relate where it's actually scary to go outside where dangerous things are out there. Somebody coughs on you and you die. Like it's not the same as a giant monster grabbing you, but it's still just as lethal. And I mean, we have been basically on home lockdown for like the last seven months or so. So I think that you know, having that sense of we're stuck at home and we can't go out. I mean, that definitely related a lot to what was going on. And in the end of the movie, they decide that they can't really 
recreate the old world, but instead they're going to embrace a new world. They're going to find new strength. They're going to have new ideas. They're going to develop a new way of life and just move forward with what they have. And that really rung so strongly with me, especially now in COVID, because we see so many people who are trying to get back. We got to open up the restaurants, got to open up the schools. We got to get back to get back to work. But the the monsters are still out there. The virus is still out there. Like people are dying every day. People are getting sick every day, especially here in America, where we keep having, you know, more and more people every day reporting the virus and getting sick. It's like we cannot go back to that old life. We have to go to something new. We have to find new ways like remote work or we have everybody has masks or, you know, whatever it is that we do. And so that particular aspect, like I said, I, I think it would have hit us very differently last year. But now that we're in the middle of covid. Um, that idea of embracing a new reality because the world is different than you knew really hit home with me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think, you know, you and I have had multiple conversations about this. We, you know, we homeschool our son and have from the very beginning. So we dodged that bullet a bit with what a lot of parents are dealing with right now with online schooling and having to do things remotely. And every single parent I talk to right now is just overwhelmed and exhausted and, you know, feeling really defeated and feeling like they're failing themselves and their kids and everything because schools haven't figured out how to pivot yet. You know, they're just like, oh, we just do what we do at school, but now you got to do it on the computer. That like a million percent oh doesn't God. work. Eight hours it in does front of not Zoom work. Is a joke. Everyone yeah. is miserable and no one, like, you are not learning shit. Like, just fuck off with that. Like, you are not. So it's really that that making that next step, right? Like it's not just enough to do what we were doing before, but now we do it at a distance. No, we have to really figure out a new way of doing things and, you know, really dismantle some of the stuff that we were doing and build it up in a new way, not just in a distance way, but really fundamentally change what we're doing. And we just, we are just not there yet. And it's frustrating to see. And it's, you know, I feel frustrated and you know, bad for all these families that are having to go through this. But it really is like, you know, it was nice to see in this movie where it's just like, we need to, we need to live. We need to, you know, not just hide out in these bunkers. We need to live, but we need to do it in a different way. We can't just, okay, we're going to rebuild the malls. Let's just do this again. Like, that's not going to be a thing when you have a giant slug coming at you, you know, like that's just, no. So yeah, it was, it really resonates now for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really the the surprising takeaway from this movie in general is like, I, you know, it looks a certain way from a trailer. You think you're going to get a certain experience, but it really, really turned that on its head and really surprised me in so many ways. I mean, how the male character was portrayed, how he related to the female character, how that resolved, how the world was portrayed. Uh, the hopeful message in general, and then also the hopeful message of like finding a new way to live at the end. I mean, I I don't know how much of this was influenced by COVID. I don't know when exactly this movie was made or how it was, you know, maybe it was all filmed and done before COVID even hit. Who knows? But regardless, I mean, I think the the end result is that this is like a movie for these times where it addresses how we need to be as a society. It addresses what we need to do moving forward. And I mean, it also does it like in a fun, light, adventure way. It's not preachy. It's not boring. I mean, it's a really fun action movie. But at the same time, there are so many messages I was able to take out of this. I was just, I felt really glad that we watched it. I really have um, a much deeper appreciation after we slept on it for a night and talked about it this morning. And talking about it with you now, I just am reviewing it in my head. And I just, what a wonderful film. I really want more people to watch this movie. And I really, I would really love to know more about this and what went into it. Yeah, even the, even the title, you know, it's Love and Monsters. And, you know, just, it's very interesting how much you and I have talked about, like, what happened with, 
um, you know, him and his, the girl he was going to find. And like really their interaction is really like at the very end, you know, and it's not even that big a part of the movie and they're like kind of coming to terms with like what is happening with their relationship is not a huge part. And yet it said so much Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it was just, it was so huge just because of all the, the typical tropes that are out there. And just as a woman dealing with men and how you say no and can you say no? And you know, well, if you're nice, then you're leading them on. And, but then if you're mean, then you're a bitch and then they get mad. And, you know, so it's like, There's always this, like, how do I handle this? And what do I do? And how do I say it? And she was just really, like, upfront with him. And he just accepted it. And it was just, it was like this, like, three-minute piece. It's so simple. And yet it it totally flies in the face of our real-life cultural norms. Like, that. you don't really see that example of an interaction, like, ever. And here it was modeled for us Mm -hmm. in a very clear, simple way. If we all simply followed this pattern, I think everybody in the world would be, like, happier. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because he stuck around. He helped them out of a tough situation and they they still bonded. You know, it wasn't like she was like, I'm not in a place for this. And now, therefore, I'm going to give you the cold shoulder or I can't and deal with you. And he didn't get angry and right. bitter about and, it. And that that was why she was able to do that. Yeah. She was able to still bond with him and connect with him because he wasn't a dick after that. Yeah. Or he wasn't still trying to convince her or wear her down. You know, he wasn't doing any of that stuff. So she could just treat him like a person she cared about. And he saw her as a person and he didn't take it as like a rejection from this thing that he thought he was owed. He 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 recognized that she had, you know, agency on her own and that she had her own life and that he was okay with that. Like he kind of saw her as an equal and took her words for what they were rather than thinking I got cheated out of a prize or I didn't get the piece I came all this way for. He just was like, "Oh yeah, right. Like I'm a person, you're a person. I have my choices, you have your choices. Um and I kind of thrust this on you and you didn't want it, so I'm going to respect that." Like it's so simple, like you said, so simple, so clear, and yet we never see it in real life. That is not the norm mm-hmm. when you're in a bar or when you're with a person yeah. or when you're dating or whatever. That it, You hear the stories so many times where things go south. They turns bad for the woman. There's abuse. There's trauma. I mean, this movie, I think, is like really instructional on so many levels, and I'm just so amazed that they were able to capture such meaningful stuff in such a short, concise, brief amount of time. And watch the writer and director were like, it was nothing. We just wanted to get him out of the bunker and have him see <laughs> monsters again or something. That would it's be, gonna the, be something totally like throwaway. And we're like, no, that would be the happiest accident <laughs> ever. And if they're smart, they will be like, no, we planned it right. all along. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you very much for talking with me, wife. I appreciate you coming all the way downstairs to get on this podcast in the Game Critics West studio. Uh, this has been a great chat. Uh, and I hope that the people listening also got something out of this. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. No problem. Happy to do it. All right. I'll talk to you in two minutes. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.